GearWebsites.com is your source for firearms-based playing cards and books. We also have mugs, shirts, and posters with designs that we've made live. Of course, we have patches. Every Friday is Free Patch Friday. We appreciate your support. Thank you for shopping at GearWebsites.com. It's 11.59 at Radio Free America, and this is Uncle Sam with music and the truth until dawn. Right now, I've got a few words for some of our brothers and sisters in the occupied zone. The chair is against the wall. The chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. John has a long mustache. It's 12 o'clock, Americans, another day closer to victory. And for all of you out there on or behind the lines, this is your song. And welcome, everybody, to our Daily Gun Show. Come to you live every weeknight at midnight Eastern. We talk about guns for about an hour. And each night we have a different objective, a different goal. On Mondays, we uh, talk about motivation for Second Amendment activists whenever possible. I bring someone on to have a conversation. And if I can bring a Second Amendment activist on, it's even better. So tonight we've got uh, Charlie Cook riding shotgun with Charlie. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, G Webs. This is a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this. Right on. Yeah, and I was just talking. We were just talking offline. I feel like I've chatted with you a million times. I think we've chatted offline a couple of times, and then in real life a couple of times. And then I watch like all your shows, so I feel like I don't know, you must get this all the time from people that when you're online all the time, people come up and go, "Oh, I feel like I know you." People, yeah, people, people do get to know you, and I've had some people ask me about things and want to talk about things. I'm like, oh my god, how did I find this out? When did I? When, when did I say this? How did this come up in a? How did this come up on a show? <laughs> like you said something under your breath on the like during the three quarters into a live show somewhere with Matt or something, and then yeah, six months later, somebody's talking about it or asking. Yeah, I, I, I'm, yeah. I'm like, I, I don't think people were really paying attention. I <laughs> so. Uh, I don't want to assume nothing, so I was kind of telling Charlie offline, like, what I try to do with my interviews is, especially on the first interview, is give people an opportunity to talk about two big things, who they are first off, and then uh, why they do what they do, and then how they do what they do. Uh, since we're talking to Second Amendment activists, in my experience, just about everybody, there's not any superheroes, nobody got bit by a radioactive Second Amendment bug or anything. Everybody's just got some motivation, and they're able to do what they're able to do. So uh, what I try to do is give them an opportunity to talk about that. As I was telling Charlie offline that most of the time when you bring someone who's an activist on to a show, it's to get their point of view on a subject or a topic of the day. And then you have your 10-minute segment and you brush them off so you can talk about something else. And I try to do the opposite of that. And, uh, well, I was actually telling Charlie that I, I uh, kind of build this off of uh, James Kalita, a guy that did uh, right. I was it? Out of Order with James Kalita podcast. podcast. Yeah. Charlie, Charlie's first person I know that's that's heard of that guy. So let me start with that. Well, I guess I'll let me finish. So, so what I try to do is give you a chance to talk about the, the why you do what you do in the house. So I appreciate you coming on and doing that. But again, since we've, I'm assuming that most people have talked to or heard Charlie or listened to enough of the shows that you understand who Charlie is, I don't want to assume and, and make this the only that unless we can talk about that the whole time then more than welcome to but um let's I let you, i don't have a script here so go ahead let's start with the james kalita thing so i was very less than a year at doing writing shotgun and james reached out to me and he was uh in new jersey and he said hey listen i i i'd love to have you on my show i've got a show it's the out of water podcast i'd never heard of it and um and, you know, so I started to listen to it 
And he's like, hey, I, I want to be on your show. And I'm like, well, I I drive people around while we talk. So I have to plan a trip down to Jersey. And I was going down to, oh my gosh, I was going down to D.C. for something. I don't know if it was um, it was the Heller 10 or it was in 2017. It might have been for something else. Anyway, um, so we, we met to, we, we made a plan to meet at the Gun for Hire range. And I said, all right, here's what we'll do. I will interview you as we drive into New York City for my show. And then you can interview me for your show on the way back. And he was putting out a show. Man, he did this, I think, for over a year where he put out a show every day for over a year, which which is like to my mind. You know, that's that's a lot of work. I didn't realize there was that many of them. I found it, I think, after that effort because it seemed like they were, I think, over also ending whenever I came across it. So so then you were on his chat and he's been on yours. Do you remember what number? Oh, my gosh. It was uh, less than 30. Oh, it was a while ago. Okay. It was a long, yeah. It so was we're talking probably November of 19. You know what? I'm No, I'm going to say... Um, so in 2016 is when I had the idea for the show. I tried filming some shows. Um, you know, I didn't, you know, I'm trying to hold a day job down and a career and all this other kind of stuff. But I um, I filmed some shows in 2016. And then I, I spoke at Gun Rights Policy Conference and met more people. And then I started to uh, started to go to, to more things. And then it was, um, I'm going to say it was in 2018. I went down and uh, interviewed him um, because I wasn't, I didn't start putting shows out, I think, until like the fall of 2017. Okay. Well, I was trying to unsuccessfully find it. I'm going to let somebody else find um, it. That's probably you know what? I just stuck it up. It's num number 26. Okay. Awesome. Thanks. So uh, I'll still let somebody else find the thing and link to it here while we're live. We'll use the power of other people uh, watching live. Yeah. So again, I was kind of mentioning that before, but thanks to all the people that are watching live. I do see some questions coming in and we'll grab those. Um, Okay, appreciate that kind of starting us off with the uh, with your experience with James, so you understand Michael. And let's start with that. Would you give us a maybe an elevator speech? Because I'm again assuming don't want to I don't want to assume that everyone knows who you are. So could we do a quick elevator speech uh, on what's uh, well? I know that Charlie Cook is doing more than riding shotgun with Charlie, but <laughs> I'm just I'm I think of you as riding shotgun with Charlie. So if you would. What's who are you? And then we'll yeah. get the big question. Why do you do what you do? All right. Well, I am um, I've been a, an instrumental music teacher for uh, I, I always tell people 100 years. And I tell my students I've been a teacher since the 1900s. And um, I, I grew up as a gun agnostic and I wasn't wasn't a gun guy, wasn't for it, wasn't against it. It just seemed a little crazy to me and dangerous to me. Um, all I wanted to be when I was young is I just wanted to be a gigging musician and play with, you know, big name people and travel around the country. So after, after September 11th, um, there was a, one of my schools I was teaching at, they said they're going to, they called everyone in and said, if anyone was uh, in the school that wasn't supposed to be, you know, an active shoot before they called an active shooter, then the principal would say, get on the Eagle, uh, the intercom and say the Eagle has landed. And that meant that everybody needs to lock their doors and hide under the desks. And I sat with a bunch of teachers and I said, you know, that seems kind of crazy. I've, I've got a nine-year-old son, a nine-month-old son, excuse me. And I said, if uh, if the teachers on the first floor all had guns, they could shoot the bad guy on the first floor and the teachers on the second floor can keep on teaching. And they said, that's a little crazy. And I said, I, I don't really think so. <laughs> so 
we had a February vacation and I'm like, February vacation comes, I am going out and I'm going to gun license. I'm going to show these people what it's about. And I didn't know what the process was and never fired a gun. Uh, I was a card carrying NRA member. I was getting the magazines and I, um, yeah, I, be, I, I became a pro gun guy without, without, uh, you know, doing the live firing. And then that fall in 2002, 2002, I took a class, uh, an NRA basic pistol class with the state's pro gun group. And I shot for the first time and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. And then that led to joining a shooting range. Uh, and I inherited some guns that were my father's what that I didn't know that were in our house when I grew up. And I joined a shooting range and I became a range safety officer so I could start running bowling pin shoots. I started helping with these firearm safety education days where you teach people how to shoot. And then from there, the director of uh, director of education for the Gun Owners Action League said I should become a firearm instructor. So I took did the process to do that so I could teach home firearm safety and, and the NRA basic pistol class. And I did that for a little while, just thinking I could make enough money to support my shooting habit. I eventually got a job uh, working part time at a shooting school, and that led me to, you know, standing up in front of 20 people doing the doing the shtick for the class and i said hey uh, you know i'm bringing in two thousand dollars for the boss how how can i bring in two thousand dollars for charlie and that's when i started uh, personal shooting instruction and i started teaching classes on my own after a few years of doing toastmasters i was doing this manual called communicating on video and I had to interview someone for five to seven minutes and be interviewed by someone. I had to do a, a press conference. I had to do a uh, video editorial and then make a video for someone. And all of that was when James Corden's carpool karaoke was becoming kind of cool. And I'd see this chubby guy that's uh, English. And I said, well, I'm a chubby guy and I speak English. I, I think I can do what he does. And I said, I'm going to you know, be in a gun guy uh, and getting more into to firearms and anything. I said, I'm going to interview people in the cars. We drive on and talk about gun stuff, and I'm going to call it Writing Shotgun. And writingshotgun.com was taken. I'm like, I'm calling it Writing Shotgun with Charlie because I couldn't come up with anything else. So that's what I went with, and that's what I stuck with. And from there, I I contacted um, Ken Blanchard and Anthony Calandro, and I interviewed those guys. And then I interviewed Mark Walters from Armed American Radio, and Mark called me up after I interviewed him in Minneapolis. And he said, hey, this is really cool. This is no, nobody's doing anything unless uh, I, I want to help out. And I, I said, I wasn't really sure what that meant. So he he called me two days after that. He's like, do you want to speak at the gun rights policy conference in Tampa in a month? And I said, yes, I do. So I uh, made a trip, went down, spoke at Tampa, got to meet all the pro-gun folks. And that is that's how I got into the into the circle. Dude, I don't even want to ask, but do you think you know how many times you've given that elevator speech? I mean, that's that's <laughs> less than 11 minutes, and that was effective. It was efficient and concise. It wasn't rushed, right? It That, yeah. that was, uh, you, you got the information. I've heard it a million times, so I know where you abbreviated some things. Yeah. But uh, how many times have you said that? I mean, do you have to end up saying that a lot, is like trying to it's, get people into the vehicle? Um. I, I try not to like if, if somebody has me on their show and wants to know I'll you know I'll give them something like that but um, what what I find really cool is when um, it, it's really cool when I reach out to people and they're like oh yeah yeah I've seen your show oh yeah I know I know you're the guy that does the stuff in the car 
yes, I'll take it. That is that is what I do. Stuff in the car. <laughs> and it's it's honestly it's even cooler when somebody reaches out to me and says, "Hey, I've I've seen your show. I um uh, how do I get on the show? Like how do you how do you plan all this stuff out? When you when can I get someone on the show? Or when can I be on the show?" So that's 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 always cool when when people reach out and and want. I got to uh, stop muting. I mute because I got a lot of fans going here, and I figure oh. you're probably hearing the background noise. And then I'm trying to take notes. I started taking notes as I interview people so that there's something to put on Substack. I don't know if you've used Substack, but oh, gosh. Uh, I just have some something besides a transcript to have you know words. And uh, gotcha. what happens is I end up taking forever to unmute. So sorry about leaving you hanging there. That's um, right. So they found the chat the show. Uh, and well, maybe they're going to find the show, but either way, we know that it was some, you said it was number 26. Uh, James the show with James Kalita was number 26. Right on. Thanks. So, uh, I'll find it later on. And, and now it's cool about that is because then I'm sure people have heard me talk about that because I pretty much try to give them credit, uh, for doing the show the way he did. Um, so let me go back to that real quick. What did you think about his format? Kind of just leaving people hang for 40 minutes or 20 to 40 I, minutes. Kind of is organic. So, so I'm a talker. Um, I thought it was good. <laughs> you know, I, I always tell when I, when I was at Toastmasters, uh, people would say, well, you know, I've got to do an icebreaker speech and people about myself and I don't know what to tell them. And I would always say, well, you're, you're an expert on you. You tell us what you want us to know about you. So, um, you know, I could, you know, like you said, you've heard me do this speech a bunch of times and talk about this. Um, I wish I could narrow it down and make it shorter, but I think there's a lot of moving parts and I think they're all, they're all integral. And I think they all, you know, one thing leads to another and leads to another and leads to another. So, um, giving someone the opportunity to talk about stuff is great. Um, I've, I've had some people on the show where they don't have too much to talk about. And I'm like, oh my gosh, all right, uh, I've got to come up with a story. Like what? what do I have that I can sort of relate to what they're talking about and, you know, kind of, kind of keep things moving along. But, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a bummer that James, uh, James stopped doing the show and kind of, kind of just disappeared. I don't want to say he hasn't disappeared. I mean, it's, but... it's the nature though of, uh, grassroots, I think. At least that's oh, the way sure. I looked at it. You know, he was just an individual that got fed up and did it. And then he did some stuff and he contributed, you know, it's like passing the baton. Right. So I don't think it's on anybody's, Back oh no, not at all. Run not their at all. whole lifetime, right? But when they can, it's great. But when you're when, they, when you're just yeah, looking you to know, help, then yeah, take I'll take what I can get. Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, you take what you can get, you do what you can, and eventually, uh, eventually something happens. Like maybe your life changes, your career changes. You don't have the time, you have the energy. Um, you know, maybe your home situation changes. Who knows? Oh yeah, exactly. Um, and there's definitely not a lot of scratch. I mean, there's a there's there's possibility but it's not uh it's not like anything else well it's not like some other things in the gun field where you can uh, uh make a living doing it uh easily at least so um one of the questions is um well the big question is going to be why so i like to leave that open open-ended and i think we're actually pretty good timing for it so um you know, I kind of led up to it a little bit too much. I should have just asked you the open-ended why without a bunch of uh, comments there. So take as much time as you'd like. And I don't know if it's something, like you say, you like to chat, but if it's something that uh, you've ever, I'm, what I'm hoping is that maybe you get a chance to address some of the things that you haven't been asked before. 
because um, I guess I like to preface it with um, a little bit of why I ask the question. I don't just have everybody on and ask the question like I got nothing else to do. But I mean, you've been doing amazing. I mean, there's only other like two other people I can maybe one other person I can think of that's actually doing a bigger con contribution to the awareness right now would be Cheryl. Uh, with the way that, you know, when they do their interviews, especially now that they do their longer format and then they offer the website stuff. But between the interview, the people that you choose to interview and then the YouTube videos that you create with the description, I mean, the time and effort that goes into that, uh, mm. that's a resource that's helping those individuals immensely. And it's helping the people who go to research about those individuals because you're coming up and it's also inspiring a ton of people. Uh, I'm sure for people that go, oh, I like what this guy's doing. I wish I could do something like it or I'm going to try or, oh, I don't like the way this guy's doing it. I'm going to do it better. Right. So either way, we're winning, yeah. and, you know, inspires people that way. But then at the same time, you've experienced some other things. You've gone around and done some things. So I'm sure you've spent way too much money than you should have uh, going <laughs> to places and experiencing things because you wanted to see if it was worth it. I'm not going to get into the good and bad. We all know there's good and bad and everything. But, you know, you've made, I'm sure, some decisions and you were like, oh, man, that cost a lot of money and it really wasn't worth it. And that's the kind of stuff that most people are going to decide, OK, in the long run, there's not a lot of gain here. There's not a lot of stuff I haven't seen yet. It's about time to transition out. I've done plenty. I can say I'm done and I, you know, everybody's going to be fine with it. You didn't right. do that. And I'm not saying you're not going to do that tomorrow. You've got plenty of right to do that tomorrow. But that's why I asked the why. Like it, there's all kinds of opportunities to stop along the way. You've had an opportunity to meet some people, I'm sure by now, who have either said to you, look, you can do it this way, or you just look at the way they're doing it and go, wow, they're making a lot of money by just slightly, do, you know, putting in the same amount of effort, just doing it in a different way than I am. You know, maybe <clears throat> flashlight reviews or something like that. Um, but, you know, you've, you've done enough to have opportunity to quit and I'll be, you know, like you say, the, you wouldn't, you don't have to feel bad about it. So what's the why? Like, that's the reason I'm asking you the why so that people don't think I'm just asking this as like a generic question to just anybody. This is a dude that's done a lot and has decided to continue doing this. And I don't know what kind of results you're getting from it, but I'll, let, I'll quit asking the question and let you answer it. All right. So the, the why, the why is when, when I had the idea for the show, I was, uh, I guess I was looking for something, something for myself to do. I, I, I've been listening to podcasts for 10 years and I wanted to be a podcaster. So I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to start a podcast show. And, and I couldn't, you know, I would take my laptop around my apartment and get underneath my blanket and go into a closet and try to get no sound and no audio and, you know, no extemporaneous noises and sounds. And I, I couldn't really do it. So I'm like, that, that seems to be a lot of work. And I don't know anything about working audio engineer and audio equipment. Um, so that you know i kind of i kind of put that aside when when i when i saw a couple karaoke i'm I, I get there's a whole you know he doesn't drive he's got all these people he does the whole you know oh i'm gonna go uh, i'm running late for work i gotta get some coffee and oh my gosh i run into the foofers and then let's you know sing foo fighter songs and i'm like this is really ridiculous but this guy gets to hang out with rock stars and for me when i when i think of the the, like the big name people that I want to have on the show, um, I think this is this is this is crazy and that's cool. Um, I think of Ted Nugent, I think of Kid Rock, and I think of Hank Williams Jr. So to me, it kind of points back to 
I want to have some some pro gun folks that are big name musicians, and I have to have these people on the show. You know, not not that I don't appreciate the the gun folks, but um, like those would be like if an angel came down and pranked her wand. I would love to ride around with Kid Rock and talk with Kid Rock about music and about guns and about freedom and 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 all that sort of stuff. You know, that would be that would be unbelievable. But um, I started doing it. I guess I had I had some friends that I. Um, I grew up in the Midwest, moved to uh, Boston to go to college. I went back to the Midwest. I played in a band. I traveled around. I ended up back in the Midwest. I had a teaching job, uh, part-time teaching job. And this is all within two years out of getting out of college. And then I ended up back in Massachusetts with a, a teaching job. And I lived with some people who, uh, speaking freely here, were uh, liberal wackos. But I'd, I was young. I was in my 20s. I wanted to play in a band. I wanted to drink beer. And I wanted to watch girls dance. So guns weren't a thing. Like, it wasn't an issue. Like, it wasn't a deal. And um, after I became, I lived, I lived with this family for three months. Uh, I ended up going to Europe with them in uh, the summer of 1995. We went to Poland to teach conversational English to high school kids. And when I became a gun guy, um, you know, I was about when I started to, uh, when I had, uh, when I got married and had a kid and bought a house and I was about 30 when I started to pay attention to politics, uh, at 30, 31, 32 is when I got a gun license and, and became a gun owner. I remember talking with, uh, I call them my surrogate family, uh, cause they're not really my family, but you know, there's, there's three daughters I became good friends with and the, the mom and dad are great people. When I, uh, when I became a gun guy, I was talking with their youngest daughter, and she's like, you know, um, I knew you before you were in guns, so I know you're an okay guy, and I know you're not a Duck Dynasty guy, but, you know, like, we're not really gun people, and, and you know, gun people seem a little crazy and a little dangerous. And I was like, well, that seems a little nuts, because we're just like everybody else. And and I, I became a gun guy because I had this little nine-month-old boy that I needed to protect. And then I eventually ended up having a daughter and I, I need to be able to protect my family. And that's, that's what it's about. And I, I went through a stage where I wanted to be a hunter and I bought a bunch of flash and did a hunter red class. And, you know, I, uh, I sit in the woods and go deer hunting and freeze my tail off. And I'm like, all right, this, this isn't for me, you know, like the hunting, they're like, Oh, you got to pattern the deer and then go where the deer are. And I'm like, I get three hours on a Friday morning. Uh, and then I have to go to work. So I can't, that's not really an option. So, so hunting wasn't, wasn't necessarily, uh, as much as I tried, I couldn't really, uh, really get into it. Um, so then, it, you know, becoming, becoming a gun instructor, I, I just realized that gun folks are regular people. And that's, that's really the, um, uh, the, the mission statement, I guess, or part of the mission statement of what my show is. We're people, we don't, we don't, we're not crazy lunatics. Um, uh, we rarely drink blood from skulls of our enemies. Um, we're, we're just regular folks. And that's what I wanted to put out is say, Hey, listen, you, you know, you might think that these people are crazy because they're gun guys. This guy was the victim of a crime. This guy was robbed in his, um, in his uh in his garage this person uh, this woman was a domestic violence survivor so they're not crazy lunatic gun people that are you know over the top through the government and you know all, all that sort of stuff um they're just regular folks and and i think their stories need to get out and people need to people need to hear this stuff so uh so that's one of the things that really keeps me going and and with the, the of james yeager uh, this past week, I, I, I heard about this. I don't 
don't think I ever met him. I, I never had him on the show, but it just made me think. I'm like, oh man, there are so many more people that I want to have on the show so I can get their story out and have more people learn about them. And and I know with the the circles that I run in, um, uh, so Amanda Suffolkul and I like to talk about this because we, we compare this to the Olympic rings. And, you know, the, the red ring touches the blue ring, which is the green ring, but the red ring doesn't touch the green ring. And I probably have the colors all screwed up. But um, I know some people that are gun folks and she knows people that are gun folks. You know people that are gun folks, um, but we don't all know the same people. So when you talk to someone else and you're like, hey, have you heard? Uh, I'm remembering Paul Lathrop. I'm like, you know what? Who would be good to have on? Uh, Jared Yanis from Guns and Gadgets. He's like, I'm not sure who he is. I'm like, dude, he's got 300,000 people that follow him on YouTube. And he's always putting out content, like putting out three or four videos. He's like, I, I don't have time to keep up with that. Like, I, I don't know who he is. So you then you connect these rings together and then you bring more people in so that, that you're circle gets a little bit bigger and your ring gets a little bigger. Um, one of the other things I wanted is uh, when I was, when I was show and doing all the Toastmaster stuff, I was, I was hustling, man. I had a, I had a, a job five days a week working as a teacher in a bunch of Catholic schools. I was teaching gun classes on the side and I was, I had to learn how to edit video. I know nothing about editing video. And my, my, my going story is I, I'm a terrorist because I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to learn how to fly the plane. Like I want to know how I can put three cameras together and get the audio synchronized. And then I just, I'm going to edit stuff and I'm just going to, you know, I've got three cameras. So I, when I'm talking, I put the camera, I cut the, you know, I delete the, uh, delete the, the clips of the other two. And then I, that's, that's all I do. So there's not, not a lot to, to, you know, starting to edit the video. And I've certainly learned a little bit here and there and added some things and, and wanted to learn how to do some things as I go. Well, first, I'm like, I just, I just, how do I put these videos together and how do I get this going? So um, that was all I wanted to do. And I just want to get the, get the videos out and put shows out and have people on the show. And I, I wanted to expand my circle of friends and I wanted to have more pro gun friends. And yeah, I just wanted to expand my own circle of friends. One of right. the, um, oh, oh no, yeah. go ahead. so no, go. <laughs> the, the other thing that keeps me going is, uh, and this is really bad for me to know it's bad for me to say, so I preface it, but I, uh, I don't get what, whatever it is that I need, um, to make me feel good about what I do. I don't get at my school job. Um, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole, uh, band kids and you know, I teach band and forget their instruments. They don't know what day it is. Uh, I had a school last year that uh, had remote learning one day and didn't tell me until I got to the school. Uh, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. And when, you know, it's, it makes, I get the, the feeling of being important and, uh, when I do shows and when I go to some place and, and I know, uh, I think it was Guns and Barbecue um, might have asked about uh, if I was going to be at the the Rod of Iron this year. I am going to be there. I think I'm going to MC the Concealed Carry Fashion Show with Amanda. Um, but that's the stuff that makes me feel great. Like, hey, I, I go to this event and people make me feel cool. Um, you know, they want to come up and talk and have a picture and hey, I watch a show and 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 all that. And that's that's great. So what I don't the the recognition I get I don't get at school and at my day job I get from from doing writing shotgun. So I'm going to keep it going as long as I can. Uh, 
Right on. I don't want to keep you hanging. So I appreciate, like I said, I give you an open-ended answer and give you time to extrapolate on it. And if you feel like uh, something as we chat here, you know, like, oh, I want to expand on it, feel free to interrupt me and go for it. Because that's really the goal here so that you get a chance to, uh, I don't know, have that. I and mean, I think it's neat. I don't know if I'm maybe, am I the only one. I mean, you listen to the James Cleta thing that, I mean, that's why I've listened to all of them. Uh, I think it's neat to get an idea. Uh, well, I, I think it adds to the authenticity of the individuals and it gives us a better idea of what they might need or what they're getting out of it. Uh, so how we can help them or how we can uh, um, facilitate whatever their projects are. Right. That's the overall goal, I guess. Um, so I appreciate that. So then a couple of the questions that came up, I'm trying also not to interrupt. My tendency is to interrupt. Typically, if we're just having a conversation, I just like to interrupt and, and ask questions as you're bringing stuff up. But um, you brought up uh, Ken Blanchard, awesome dude, one of my, ins ins one of my the people that inspired me as well. Um, oh yeah. Uh, okay, so can, a little so, bit more about how did that, he was your first guest, correct? How did that, or not your first guest, but your first two A guest. Yes. So I, you know, when you have these ideas to do things, you gotta, I, what, what do they say? The test, the test, the theory or to uh, proof a concept or something like this. So uh -huh. I was like, well, I'm going to interview people. I had two GoPros that I bought off a of Craigslist and I had two suction cup mounts that I bought off uh, Amazon, and and I was up and going like I'm gonna do this, man. And and um, I interviewed I interviewed my mentor. Uh, his name is Dennis. I interviewed I interviewed some local people. There's a uh, an instructor out in Western Massachusetts who's a buddy of mine that I interviewed. I interviewed one of the guys I used to play in a band with. I I didn't really put that show out, but. Um, I just needed some practice. I needed to get some reps in. And I, uh, so going back to, you know, w taking, going someplace, going on a trip someplace and wondering if the show was worth it. Um, somehow to me, it's that I had my, uh, my high school band teacher told me, you know, I wanted to be a successful and famous musician. And he said, you got to pay your dues. So I was like, well, uh, I'm going to pay my dues until, until something cool happens. So if, um, you know, if I have someone on the show and, you know, I've got to prompt them along and I've got to talk a little bit more, um, I, I just see that as paying dues. And then when you get somebody that's a pro at being interviewed and done this for a long time and got lots to talk about, dude, it's gravy. Um, it really sit there. And there have been a number of times when I'm riding around with somebody and I'm hearing them talk and tell their, you know, talk about this, talk about that. I'm just like, oh, crap, I got to ask this guy a follow up question. Like, I'm part of this conversation too. I, <laughs> I need to pay attention where I'm driving, but I need to need to get some questions as well. You know. So how did you? Did, was Ken Blanchard a target about? Oh, so Ken Blanchard. Sorry, or? sorry. So Ken, um, Ken was oh, no, one of these you, people. You had you, you needed to cut your teeth. You did that, yes. but now you were looking to kind of put in like, uh, I, like you say, I wanted, pay your dues with an actual activist and yes. So what? I was, um, I started listening to Ken's show, um, probably 2010 or 2000. I'd list, I started listening to, um, I started listening to podcasts around then. I think, um, God, I can't, I must've, I think I still had a Blackberry back then, but podcasts were new and I found the urban because there was no internet or there was no high speed internet. People aren't really maybe putting this two or two together, but in this era, Internet was kind of slow, so that means there was no video on the internet. So audio oh, was gosh. the way to get a lot of content quickly. You could download it and listen to it at your leisure for hours. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I would, um, I would listen to uh, 
at the time he was calling it the urban shooter and he went he i guess he used to call it the black man with a gun and then it became the urban shooter and then he went back to the black man with a gun uh so i was listening to black man with a gun and i was listening to the um, gun for hire anthony calandro and like you said before you listen to these shows and you feel like you know these people because they're you know they're out there talking and spilling their and their story and spilling their guts and everything and you think you get to know them so i i was like i'm i'm gonna ask ken blanchard i you know he's only down in washington it's only six hours away that's not horrible i can do that so i sent him an email i'm like hi ken my name's charlie i got this i'm starting this new show it's writing with charlie i'm gonna interview people in the car i would love to i've been a fan for a long time i'd love to have you on the show and he wrote back to me two hours later and he's like yeah man that sounds awesome when do you want to do this and i was like Oh my God. And I had a, I had a girlfriend at the time and I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to go down to D I'm going to interview Ken Blanchard. And I had to explain who he was. And so she's like, so let me see if I get this straight. You're going to go down to Washington DC and you're going to drive around with this guy. And he's a black guy and you don't know who he is. And you don't, he doesn't know who you are. And he knows you're a gun guy and you know, he's a gun guy. I'm like, yes. And she's like, that seems a little crazy. I'm like, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think this sounds awesome. And then after I heard from uh, from Ken, I was like, you know what? I looked on the map. I'm like, I'm going to have to go through New Jersey. I'm going to reach out to Anthony Colin. So I emailed Anthony. I said, hey, my name's Charlie. I'm starting a new thing, writing shotgun with Charlie. I'm coming down to interview Ken Blanchard. I'd like to stop in New Jersey and interview you. And I didn't hear back from him. And I was like, all right, that's cool. He's got a business. He's a busy guy. And as I was following uh, following the, the Google Maps to, to drive from Massachusetts to D.C., I hear, I, I'm driving on the Garden State Parkway, and I see all these towns that he talks about. And I pulled over into a rest area, and I, uh, I found the gun for higher range. And it was, I don't know, 15 minutes away or something. So I went. I'm like, I'm going to stop in. I just want to say hi. I just want to meet Anthony Calandro. I, I did a gun gram for him. Uh, the year before, and I was playing a cigar, uh, playing the trumpet, smoking a cigar, and shooting a gun at the same time. And so I went into Gun for Hire, and I sat down. I said, hi, my name's Charlie. I just want to say hi to Anthony. I'm a big fan of the podcast. And he popped his head out, and he's like, you're the guy that plays the trumpet and shoots a gun, right? I'm like, yeah, that's me. He's like, hold on a minute. And then he comes out. He's got a couple of T-shirts and a hat and stickers. He's like, here, this is for you. Like, I saw the video. I loved it. What are you doing down here? And I said, I'm going down to, I'm starting a thing, calling it Riding Shaka with Charlie. I'm going down to interview Ken Blanchard. And he's like, that's pretty cool. Tell the Rabbi. And I was like, uh, did I did I just get a, like the secret handshake? Like, this seems really weird to me. So I, I had, I, st I stood at the lobby and I had the little angel on one side of my shoulder that said, tell him you sent him an email. And I had the devil on the other side that said, don't tell him he's a busy man. So I said, you know what? Uh, I sent you an email, Anthony, and I wanted to have you on the show, um, but I didn't hear back from you. And he's like, yeah, you know, we had something, and, and I've been really tied up. And then he says, um, here's my uh, – what time are you going to be coming through here tomorrow? And, uh, and I said, oh, probably dinner time. He's like, here's my phone number. Give me a call. So I drove down to D.C., viewed Ken. I drove back up to Jersey. I interviewed Anthony Calandro, and, man, I was, I was high. I was, I was flying high. I, th I thought I was the coolest guy ever. And I went back with these videos and I'm like, okay, now I got to learn how to uh, edit these videos <laughs> and make this happen. Did your mom, well, I'm going to get into the how a little bit because that's the other reason I have you on. So if it's okay to 
yeah. you know, kind of hijack the story. But I appreciate that. I, I think I do remember that. I didn't intentionally set that up, but um, that's awesome how that worked out. So when you're now, uh, you've made the plunge, or you, you know, you bit the bullet. Let's use a real pun over here. You bit the bullet. You, uh, you called uh, Ken Blanchard. You went down, talked to Anthony at the same time. Got both interviews. Come back now. You've got raw footage. Ed, did, did you even consider contacting somebody and saying, "Hey, do you edit? Can I bring these to you?" And you did you have anybody oh, like that in mind, or was it just now I'm going to edit? I had no idea who to do who would do this. Like no no idea. I'm like I don't know how Dropbox works. Um, the the files are too big to email, uh, you know because the the video segments on the like I, I use GoPros, I have the the mini SD memory cards, and the segments of the videos are 17 minutes and 42 seconds long. And I didn't, and it would have like you know number 101 was the first video, and then it'd be 1101, and the next one that's 17 minutes and 42 seconds was 2101. And I had no idea. Like I'm like, there's only 17 minutes and 42 seconds of video. This is ridiculous. What happened? I know I talked to the guy for 45 <laughs> minutes. I don't know. I don't know where the video is. And then you. You know, everything. I'm like, oh, okay, there it is. And I was so in other since words, I, GoPro does something like a loop, and it just automatically cycles every 17 minutes or something. It's yes. I mean, I, I, I'm not a tech guy, so I I always tell people I can I can check my e oh here's what I know about computers. I can check my email and look at porn, and that's all I really need to know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the uh, but those are huge files too. When you yeah, the GoPros are super good quality, so they become large files to deal with. Them. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So I didn't know, like I didn't. It took some time to figure that out. The software I was using, since I was using GoPros, was just the GoPro software, and I didn't know that you could synchronize the video by the audio. I had no oh, idea how to do this. So I was legit going. I had, you know, I had a timeline. And I would segment of me talking and I would drag it over and then I would go to the other uh, camera because I started off with two cameras and I would take the segment where the person was replying and I would try to get them so they synchronized. And, and of course, I'm used, there's two different videos, there's two different microphones, so the audio is not the same. And I'm like, uh, this is a lot of work. And I'm, I swear to God, I spent, oh, man. Uh, eight or 10 hours, like trying to do one 30 minute interview. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like there's gotta be an easier way. A couple of questions. So in other words, just to double clarify when you're saying that the GoPro software, if you take two GoPros and record the same thing from two different angles or whatever, and then you take those two recordings and put them in your computer, the GoPro software will automatically sync up from the audio, sync them both up to where they're, I you know, honestly so have, I have no idea. No, I was going from, I'm taking the, the video and the audio from camera one, and then I would take the video and the audio from camera two, and I would put that in the timeline, and then I would go back to, all right, well, yeah, that's what where, I do too. And then you just kind yeah. of wiggle it back and forth until it sounds right. Oh my that. God. And that was so much work. And then I, I interviewed, um, so it was so July. Now, I guess the second part of my question was, did you go on YouTube or something and watch how to do it? Or were you trying to figure it out on your own? So I interviewed Ken and Anthony in July of 2016. Okay. And I, I reached out. Uh, so a little bit more of the backstory is um, I was friends with this, uh, this gal 
back in the Midwest in the in the mid '90s, and she ended up moving to Minneapolis. Her husband was robbed at gunpoint for twenty bucks outside of their uh, their condo, and his story is in uh, Lessons from Unarmed America by Mark Walters and Rob Pincus, and. I didn't know any, like, I didn't know this. So I reached out to my friend, uh, you know, it's, it was through Facebook and then, you know, it, it's 20 years since we talked. So it's, Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Good. To, you know, and, and guns are a sticky issue. Um, but anyway, I ended up finding out, um, you know, I said, Hey, I'm a gun guy and I'm, you know, uh, gun instructing. And she's like, Oh, my husband's a gun guy. And I'm like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And she's like, yeah, I'm up at gunpoint. I'm like, Whoa, wait a second. He, like, you got to tell me about this. And then I find out he was in lessons from unarmed America. So I said, I, I got these GoPro cameras. I keep them in a toolbox. I can take the show anywhere. I just need a car. And I got the suction cups. And I got the cameras and I'm, I'm good to go. So I went out to Minneapolis for a weekend and her husband's name was Lee. And uh, Lee says, listen, if you come out this weekend, I'll be at the Minnesota State Fair. Mark Walters is coming. Um, you can have Mark Walters on the show. I can I can do the show. Uh, we can have Mark on the show. And then there was another guy. His name was Peter Johnson from Archway Defense. And so uh, you can have Peter on the show too. And I'm like, great, because he was um, yeah, he was like a, an air marshal and had some cool cool training stuff. And he was the guy that I talked to. And he's like, you know, you can you can put them together on Adobe Premiere. And I'm like, what's Adobe Premiere? And he's like, oh, it's this software. And you pay 35 bucks a month and you can have access to using it. And I'm like, well, that sounds pretty cool. So I took the video home and I subscribed to the uh, the Adobe. You know, you don't you don't buy it anymore. You buy a subscription to you. And I called him up and I'm like, how do I put the videos together? <laughs> so he's like, oh, you just highlight this. And then over here, you have a pull down for synchronize and you just let it synchronize. And I'm like, oh, so it was in Adobe that you were able to figure out how to get the audios to synchronize. Yes. And I was like, this is so much oh, easier. Oh, well, that's even better because I was just clarifying before. So if you're saying that Adobe, you'll have to tell me how to do that because I use Adobe also. So that'd be awesome. Oh, it we makes things, I mean, you got to know how to do it, but it makes things so much easier. And, yeah. um, and then you can, after I have, after I have the video synchronized, you know, I do each of the, the 17 minutes and 42 seconds, you know, camera one, camera two, camera three. And I, I pull those, you know, put those on the timeline and then I sit them together and then I move them together on the timeline. So they, they, you know, puzzle piece in basically um, they're all connected and they're all synchronized and everything's fine. And then there's a, a lock feature where you can lock the audio and you, um, so I have my logo that I use on the screen and the logo just goes on the top of everything. And I move that down to the right hand corner and I lock that. So it cut every time I, make a cut on the video and then I just I look like I use the audio from the third camera which camera I call it camera three it's the camera that's between uh it's the camera in the center of the car because I'm like that's going to get the consistent auto audio and it's not going to be more me and less them and anything like that and um I I lock the audio I, uh, the camera on me the camera on the other people I leave the other camera uh, leave sorry I mute the audio from the camera on me and the camera on them. And I use the audio from the middle camera and then I, uh, I lock it so I can't cut it up. And then I just go through and, you know, I'm talking, I put the camera on me. They're talking, I put the camera on them. We're talking together. I put the camera between the two of us. So a couple of questions, uh, go into three cameras and well, you 
just don't use the audio from the three cameras, right? I mean, you still record from all three in case there's an issue. So you got one bad one for backup at least. Absolutely. So each of the cameras uh, get video and audio, and then I just mute camera one and camera two. And on the three. software, like on the software, yeah. you just tell that one to ignore it. Yeah, I got you. Okay, there's make yes. it clear. And then um, the choice to start using three cameras was that a choice? Did somebody recommend it? Was it like oh my gosh, thing? it was near uh, music? No. How much of the video stuff is a creative thing for you? To come up it's so the, so I do I do consider the show my baby, and I've you know I've had people say well you should get someone else to edit it because it's too much work and blah blah blah, and and you know I'm like either you have time or money and I don't have money <laughs> I have time so I put the time into editing, um, plus it's my baby and I don't want you know I don't want someone to tell me that my baby is ugly, I don't want someone to say well you know we're gonna do this because we like this instead, um, I I've learned that I can zoom in like this is something i've learned from working with the software uh, with adobe i can zoom in and when the other person says something that i think is important i zoom in and make their face bigger and it, you know hoping it gives them a little bit more impact to what they're saying um i'll leave that to someone else so i i edit all this stuff myself um you know what a j cut and l cut is oh god i think i try i tried i did try to take an, a video editing class on udemy I'm, I'm not yeah. all super good. It's just that it seems it's basically where you got your oh, audio. Yeah, got yeah, your, yeah. It's just where you shift where the audio and video, so it's not a parallel cut and you're like up and down cut. So yes. maybe the audio starts from one person because I'm thinking in your situation, I don't know if you use them or not because you edit pretty good and I don't know if you're using this and I just don't notice it. But it would be like if somebody's saying something, but then you know you're, you reacted or they reacted, it would be like right. watching them but hearing you, but then you said something funny. Anyway, it would be that kind of thing. I don't know if you get into it's, all. That. Yeah, no, I do. I do know what you're talking about when you when you say it like that. And I I don't think, um, like I don't think that pertains to to my my video. Like if I if I was doing a movie a and I wanted to, to yeah. yeah, if I wanted to cut scenes and start one scene with the audio, um, yeah, I, I don't do that. I just keep the audio going. You know, I've had some people. Uh, I I've kind of noticed that people talk in about twenty second, twenty to twenty five second segments. Uh, it's not always the case, of course, but that seems to be when it's good. Even if they're staying on the same sentence, they'll talk for about 20 seconds, and that's when they're going to take a breath. And then, then if if I feel like I need to to switch to another, another camera, I, but I don't want like I remember watching the the Born Identity movies, and I had a I had a headache. I was dizzy after watching those movies because everything was just moving around the whole time. I'm like, dude, I can't take that. I'm an old man. Like I get I'm, I get seasick watching that movie. Um, so I don't like to, to do the cuts too quick, but, um, you know, but yeah, switching cameras, I don't want to do it too fast. Okay. So going to the a question about the, uh, three cameras again, is that something that, again, oh, yeah. is that something like, you know, you, you think of your cameras and your audio is like music and audio recording or do you think of this as a separate type of art and skill? Um, I, I guess it's a separate art and skill. I don't I don't know if it, I mean. In I've other words, some... not like you don't dig it like you would if you were, I know, I mean, I'm assuming because you're a musician that you sit around playing music as a recreation thing. You're not playing, you're not editing three different ways just because you enjoy editing and then picking one no. that seems to work. Okay. No, I just sit down and I'm like, all right, I got, I everything's, 
I, you know, I, I, it takes, it takes time for, for the computer to do all this stuff. So, uh, a lot of, uh, oh, I a deal lot with of, that a lot of interesting that you, I would probably be a lot more creative if my computer was actually like, like a scalpel instead of like a big crayon. Like I'm constantly <laughs> waiting for the computer to do stuff. I get sick of stuff. I have to walk away and yeah. come back. I'm not doing this. Really yeah. I like to, I would like to schedule my time better so that I do instead of uh, binge, not binge watching, but binge editing um, that I could sit down and do an hour and say, okay, I've done an hour, hour, 15 hour minute, you know, hour and a half or something. And then, um, uh, and then say, okay, I'm done. Like I got to go do something else. I want my day, get some other things done. But a lot of times it seems like I'm like, okay, I got a Saturday afternoon. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to edit a show. Editing's a chore then. It's not, uh, oh, I it's, got the music for myself. I'm going to pour some wine and put on some music and edit because it's my favorite thing. No, it's yeah. not my okay. favorite. It, it's, you know, it's not my favorite thing, but started is the hardest part. Like once I'm going, I'm like, hey, you know what? It's not so bad. Why do I fight it all the time? Why do I not want to do this? Not that I don't want to do it, but you know. I like knowing how to use it. For me, it's like a guitar. Like I like the idea of knowing how to play guitar. I just don't want to have to ever practice. I just want to be able to do it. <laughs> Dude, as a, as a music teacher, nobody nobody wants to practice. <laughs> no, nobody, man. So the the, the three the three cameras. Um, I would I would watch carpool karaoke, and since I'm like, ooh, they're using oh, GoPro. I, I well, what I would do is I would watch carpool karaoke, and I'm like, how many cameras do they have in the car? And and then I, I after man after two years like when I finally learned that I could zoom in oh they probably have less cameras than I think <laughs> you know like they probably have one on the pat like I said I I, I have one on the four K camera you can zoom in to one person and it's like a separate camera right like that kind yeah of absolutely yeah I mean I had I did a show with somebody I got the three cameras set up and I had them turn the camera on so the the on buttons on the front and then the the um, the power buttons on the front, and then the you know the, the on and off button to start the video like, oh, is yeah, on the top. top. Yeah. So um, I had them push the button on the top, and I did not tell them to put their thumb on the bottom. So they pushed the button on the top, and it pushed the camera down. So instead of having a, a video with good a good frame of them, uh, I got from the middle of their face on down. And I'm like, I can't use that whole camera. So what I did was I would have the camera on me, the camera on us. And when when he, when this person was talking, I would zoom in and then move the uh, crop. Move the yeah, I would crop it so it was just them and the camera. So you could it looked like I remember the camera was, was right. One of the early them. ones, right? That was a while ago. Oh my gosh, this was uh, this was a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Um, I think you might have mentioned it, but you could also tell just because it kind of resolution got weird or whatever, but. Yeah, but still. Yeah, there's there's another thing that I've I I was interviewing someone last year, and I didn't notice that like there was a smudge on the camera, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so now that I made it, it didn't work. It's it's no, it was it was enough that I noticed it, but not enough that it was distracting. Um, you know, if it was really just like, all right, well, I got to work with two cameras, so that'll be that. But yeah, so I, I would see the. Gives you a, an extra, in other words, like some safety. Really net, yeah. yeah, yeah. The the camera that's also, um, the one in the middle gives you that audio that's 
you got for like it's, your major, your good audio, your other two are redundancy for audios. And then the three cameras are kind of, you've always got two cameras pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Two, two to three. Uh, um, what the about, camera, uh, when, oh, I'll let you finish. Go ahead. The, the, the camera that I got that was um, really for, for funsies was I got a, another GoPro to put on the hood of my car to get me driving places. And I'm like, that could be good for, for having some B roll, uh, for doing, doing something else with, you know what I mean? Um, sometimes we talk about things that are happening. If somebody cuts us off or you know, strange happens. Um, so it's nice to have that. But part of that was I want to have video of me driving in a bunch of different places around the country, you know, like driving in big cities and stuff, you know? Yeah. Like the I dash cams. Be I've been mansplaining yeah, the dash cam idea. Yeah. I mean, it's, it seems obvious, like you need to have a dash cam, but you put that outside the car, like on the hood of the I, car with a second. Yeah, I, I put it on the hood of the car and it gets where we drive. <laughs> so um, I did this. I, I found a, um, I bought a, a uh, dash cam. The GoPros are wide angle, so you get really good video like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it gets both sides of the roads and, and, you know, probably a good, I don't know, 15, 20 feet on, on the sides of the roads. Um, I found one. I bought, so I have a couple of extra, you know, backup GoPros that I don't really use um, because I, I have them just in case I need them. But um, one of them I bought had some, like a tall suction cup mount. And so what I did at one point is I put that on the side of the door and I aimed the camera at the, uh, at the wheel well of the tire. So it looked like a 1970s cop show. Yeah, that's awesome. I thought, did it work? That it did. Uh, yeah, I, I think the camera the camera crapped out after like three or four minutes, but uh, but I got a little bit of footage like that. I do the good. thing with my cam my I do everything with my phone, so I just do the thing where I stick I roll down the window, stick my arm out the window, and hold it down by the ground. So I try to get that angle. It always is crooked or something, but I like that angle. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was going to ask, do you play around with cameras at all? I know that you travel. I kind of talked about them uh, at Chacho with you and. Uh, just to kind of touch on that again, like you, you obviously you got the three GoPros. You're not doing anything special with audio. You don't have a 360 no. camera or any other kind of cameras that you're screwing around with. I don't know. I'd like to um, honestly. I'd like to. I'd like to improve my audio. Um, I'd like to uh, get microphones on people. Um, you know, I'd, I'd watch uh, Seinfeld's comedians. And he's, you know, he's riding around with uh, Eddie Murphy and they got, they're in a convertible and it's amazing audio. Um, he's also got, you know, $800 million so he can, you know, afford some good audio. Um, but I'd like, I bought a, I bought a little, one of those little portable four track recorders and I've tried using mics on people, but I have not really worked it out. That's what I was going to suggest. I know people that have used, you're effectively like a digital version of an old micro cassette recorder, right? Except it's all fancy. Yes. And it, yeah. And then they have the lapel mics or whatever they call them now. Yeah. I never know, like, I never know where to put them. And I don't want to, uh, like, I put one, I, the first time I tried it, uh, I thought it would be pretty simple. I'm like, all right, plug the mics in and, and, you know, we put the, put the mics in under our shirts and uh, it recorded me, but it didn't record the other person. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to deal with this later. And then, you know, a year later, I'm like, all right, I should probably do something about this. And I tried it and couldn't get it to work. So I got to figure it out already, dude. The uh, visors, the sun visors, as long as they're not sticking them forward because of the sun or whatever, they're like, oh, right. right. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe I should try. Some people are right there. Um, awesome. So 
the thing is, uh, everybody's always talking about all this stuff in real life. When you're going places, stuff is fragile. Every once in a while, the stuff you buy is rugged. So GoPros are fairly rugged. But mics and stuff, I don't know. I never owned them. But every cassette recorder I've had has been pretty fragile compared to travel, right? And it's off-sided yeah. luggage and stuff. So, and then just weight and everything else. And then as far as GoPros, how many batteries do you got? You got three oh my GoPros. God. Batteries for them. I think I have four sets of batteries. And so I never. Like four for each one? Uh, yeah, I have like three or four. I think, yeah, so I'm going to say I have four. Handfuls of batteries. Those batteries are crazy tiny, like unless they're the same as mine, I guess. I have an old GoPro 3, I'm guessing it's like my little tiny, they're, smaller than a matchbox. Yeah, I've, I've got a couple GoPro 3s. They're, they're about the same size. They're a little they're a little thicker, but they're they're flatter. Okay, so, um, yeah, phone batteries. So, so it doesn't take up a lot of room, but you basically have to have a bunch, right? Like just in case they go yeah. out. Or if you're gonna oh, my gosh, yeah. So, yeah, so when I when I go to um you know when I go to Shot Show or GRPC or something and I have all these people that want to be on the show and I'm like, um yeah I I can only do like three shows and then I got to recharge the batteries, <laughs> you know, like the batteries only last so long. And do GoPros have options to plug into cigarette lighters? Is that a thing? Um, I don't I don't know if they do or not. I'm gonna say they do, but I've I haven't looked into it. Like okay. when when I watched the show on Seinfeld. Um, they're the GoPros he have, he has have wires that come out and go someplace, and and I you know I don't know where the hell they go. Yeah, so see I, that's I, the I thing. I've, I've done a that. couple of things with people that broadcast, and like we're using Streamyard, this Canadian software that charges twenty five bucks a month for me, and I can do cool stuff like put Gizzards' thing up here, right, and move our stuff around. I could share the screen if I wanted to bring up something on the screen or whatever. Um, but the, some of the software that they use to broadcast, it'll pull those, those GoPros are super good. So it'll pull the HDMI off of the GoPros and then probably record it to some kind of really expensive version of software that TV uses. You know what I mean? Like those mm -hmm. people, they're fluent in television tech. So whatever we're fluent in YouTube tech, they're fluent in television tech. So I'm guessing those GoPros are just HDMI to some computer software in a laptop somewhere. But yeah, for us, sure it would just be run the laptop or run the GoPros into cards, let it record onto cards, and then later on take the cards out and put them in this computer software. Uh, let's see. So without getting too much into tech, then um, you know maybe if it was a different kind of thing, um, you know we chat more about the the tech part of it. Um, did I scroll down here? That's what happened as I started writing. Uh, I'm going to just kind of, because we're getting into the hour part, and I do appreciate again that you're on, uh, jump, joining us on in the middle of the night like this. Um, for people that are listening in the future, uh, we do broad, or we record this at midnight Eastern, so Charlie's on Eastern chat, unless you're traveling. I don't think you're traveling. But no, I'm on, I'm on the East Coast. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, is it difficult to decide who to have on? Do you get too many requests or is it, uh, you know, I'm sure your time's limited when you're at a place like Gunright's Policy. I mean, that's a lot of targets and only X amount of hours. And right. You I, treat, I, you I go to the event to some extent, I'm sure. I, the last few years, uh, the last few years, well, it, when, it, when we go to JRBPC and it's in person, um, you know, we, I get there Thursday night. I do Amcon on Friday. Friday nights are social, Saturday speeches all day, Saturday nights are social, Sunday speeches in the morning, and then everyone's done at 
one o'clock or so on Sunday. And they're like, Hey, yeah, you know, let's go have a drink. Let's go catch up. Let's. And I'm like, all right, I got to go. Like, I don't have time to hang out and talk because I'm interviewing this person at one o'clock and I get this person at two o'clock, three o'clock. So I'll catch you guys for dinner. <laughs> so you you know, stack them up on Sunday. Yeah, I try to, I mean, if I can squeeze somebody in, uh, if I can squeeze somebody in during another time, I absolutely will do that. But um, I don't want to run out of, again, I don't want to run out of battery power. So I will, uh, I guess the big criteria is I want to have someone that has something to, uh, has a story. They have something they can contribute. You know, I've had um, my local friends are like, oh, my dad's into guns. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Well, you should have him on the show. I'm like, what does he do? Well, he likes to shoot. Okay. So I'm like, so I try to get a half hour out of people <laughs> and your father likes to shoot. Um, does he make guns? Was he, was there a home invasion? Was he a competitive shooter? Was like, was he in the Olympics in the seventies? Like you, you gotta give me something more than that, you know? So I want people to have some sort of a story about either why they get into guns or, you know, I interviewed Gabby Franco and she's got her whole, she was a competitive shooter in Venezuela and then she moved here. Um, yeah, I, I want to have I want to have some sort of story. I don't want it to be like, well, you know, oh, you should have, talk to my my uncle's a cop. Okay, that's cool. What does he do? Well, you know, he drinks a lot and and uh, you know carries a gun. Okay, that doesn't make him a gun guy, and that doesn't mean he's got any good stories. He's probably got stories because he's a cop. Not be good at telling them. Uh, so like, you know, I don't do. Uh, the pre-show for me is when we get in the car and I say, okay, here's the cameras. Um, you know, if there's anything that you want to talk about, let me know. Otherwise, uh, you know, I've, I try to do research on everybody and um, just kind of let the conversation flow. So the I was mentioning at the beginning of the show that you interview people, but you do. A, I mean, if the interview with the person is insightful and entertaining and like useful to the person who listens to it, uh, the written stuff and the video, the description of the video, uh, accumulating all that data about the individual is something that almost no, well, literally no one does for themselves. It just doesn't happen. So you're creating something that most of the people haven't. I mean, you know this because you just can't go copy and paste it from somewhere. So people don't realize the amount of effort Charlie's putting into that description all the time. You're creating that. You're putting it down on a channel that's growing. So you're not just putting it down you know, in the back closet of YouTube, you're putting it down, you know, as close to the front page of YouTube as you can. Uh, and then, you know, to be in the second largest search engine, it's creating it accessible. It's making it the, the people who often have, you know, a website or they're affiliated uh, with an organization. It's, you know, putting all their, all their information into one spot so that it, uh, the, the, again, researchers, people that are looking it up are going to find it, but then, Again, they're finding it. They're not having to keep going. So all of that stuff uh, is extremely useful. So I appreciate that. Um, hmm. Well, let me, uh, here's the story with that. I, okay. um, I in 2019, I, I won the Blogger of the Year Award at Gun Rights Policy Conference. And, and I, I ran around for two days and I'm like, I got Blogger of the Year, write a word. So that's how I roll, <laughs> right? Um, and then I ended up, uh, I met Freddie Real from Ammoland. And I I ended up coming back from, from GRPC that year. And I was hanging out with some friends. And I'm like, dude, you should parlay that into something cool. And I'm like, like what? And they're like, well, what if you, you know, did the show all around the country? And so I was doing, I, I wanted to do this thing where I, I took two months and I traveled around the country and put out two shows a week. And 
like, like legit, just lived in hotels and drove from Massachusetts out to Seattle, down to San Francisco, across the South, you know, hit some places in the Mid-South or something, hit Denver. And I thought that had been real, that would have been a really, really cool thing to do. Um, but, you know, again, that takes money. So I'm like, well, I got to I got to get sponsors and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, I ended up talking to Freddie Real and said, listen, I um, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, would you be interested in putting the show on? And he says, yeah, it sounds great. Um, I need 600 words for our SEO, right, for the search engine uh, engine optimization. So I'm like, well, what do you mean? And he's like, you got to write a show description. And I'm like, oh, God. So, you know, the formula for that is how did I meet the person? How did we, you know, did they reach out to me? Did I reach out to them? Have we been running into each other? Blah, blah, blah. And then the next few paragraphs are, you know, what we talk about. Um, I, I started doing the time stamping. Uh, to help uh, to help with YouTube stuff, I get uh, what I call the favorite quotes, and I I I really find a lot of inspiration from from hearing people and how they you know how they overcame something, how the, how they made it through some hurdles. They had this difficult time, and you know their friends didn't they like what they didn't think they were doing was good and cool, and then all of a sudden they you know something something amazing happened for them. So I I have a section that's it's five or six sentences. And it's just the favorite quotes. And so I, I watch the, sh you know, I live through the show, obviously, and then I go back and edit the show. And then once it's on YouTube, I go back and I watch it again and get all the timestamps and I write the show description, and uh, and then I put links, you know, for them and for the SAF and uh, to to find listen to the show on podcast form and stuff. Um, and so I try to, you know, Freddie says he needs six hundred words for SEO. So that's when I'm like, all right, I got to start writing stuff about the show as well. Okay, and, so that's I guess where I started from. I was asking, I guess, took me, I got long-winded there and got off tangent, but I was asking to write, it sounds like you write the, the description after you have the conversation with them, but it sounds like when you talked about it, you also research them ahead of time. So oh, it's sure, sort of yeah. a quote. And you yeah, see those for I, Ammo Land? I do, yeah. So Ammo Land, um, Ammo Land was good about putting the shows out, and then, uh, you know, and that, I was already doing the show, so that like the old shows aren't on Amaland, but um, they uh, they left it up to me for the last few months, and I wasn't sure how to work everything on the website. So, um, you know, I I talked to somebody, and he's like, "Here's how you do this. Here's how you do this. Here's how you do this." So uh, this past week, I I sat down, I put a movie on, and I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna dig up all the YouTube links. I'm gonna dig all the show descriptions, and I'm gonna." put them in, you know, put them in the, on the website for Amaland. And I'm like, you know, them and Amaland's got them. And when they put them out, they put them out. Like my work, oh, my work is done. That. You know, when, when you put them out, you put them out, you know? Well, that's a tremendous effort. And again, you could, you know how much effort you put into there. If you would have done that same amount, of, I don't know if you know this, now you know, but oh, I'm telling you, but if you would have done that same amount of effort, Charlie would have spent that amount of time doing that on holsters or, stupid red dot optics or some kind of grip that's new or a, a coating that people put on slides or barrels, uh, some kind of magazine follower, like you could have, that would have been more lucrative. So again, I appreciate that. Oh, sure. No, you're doing all that effort. And now that I hear why, I mean, I didn't know, maybe you've mentioned that before, but I never put two and two together, but uh, again, Amaland is not a small entity. So the fact that you're getting, that information, not just on the YouTube description, but then additionally up on the Amaland yeah, distribution. Well. It's awesome. And there's a lot yeah. of people that look at Amaland because they are worried about the new optic or the whatever grip angle or whatever. 
Oh, sure. And, and you know, I um, about a year or so ago, Freddie and I were talking about, hey, well, maybe maybe you can make some other videos for us. And I'm like, I, I live in occupied territory. So all the cool things, you know, I, I can't I can't buy a Gen 5 Glock. I can't you know, there's there's certain we have in Massachusetts, we have guns that we can't get from dealers. So unless I was uh whatever associated with the dealer um there's there's a bunch of guns that i don't have access to and i don't i don't know enough about you know coca bolo grips and and oh god what is it stippling that people do i'm like that seems a little ridiculous but um my my deal with shooting is i like to squeeze the trigger and make the gun go bang and put a hole in paper or bust a clay like but it, I just want to squeeze the trigger and make the gun go go bang. Um, so reviewing things is not uh, it's not it doesn't interest me. You know, I, I used to I and I <laughs> I tell people that uh, going to a gun show to me is very much like going to a strip joint. Um, there's lots of things that I'd like to put my hands on and nothing I'm going home with. So why why do I want to frustrate myself with that? You know, um, you know, getting getting the gun magazines. This is cool. This is great. This is a review. This is a gun I'm not going to buy. So reading, watching a review, reading a review doesn't doesn't do anything for me. So I couldn't tell you the cool red dots and you know the what was the the oh my god the new ammo that came out mm-hmm. the defensive uh, stuff or whatever yeah a lot the, of the, the thirty thirty super uh, whatever. I'm going to call it like the consumer stuff. I can, I hear you. I'm not a big fan of just watching consumerism for consumer's sake. Some of it's by necessity. I mean, I, 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 I'm okay with the generations having their own brands and, you know, evolution of technology and things moving on. That's fine. I'm just not interested in paying attention to every incarnation of it necessarily. But oh, sure. what I'll talk about with the gun shows, just a different perspective on gun shows. And this is something that, again, I don't know anybody that's you got to be interested in this kind of stuff, too. But um, I would call it, it it's if you're going to uh, gun show uh, for that new stuff, it is pretty boring. But I go to gun shows for the old stuff and for the stories and the people that you meet. I don't know. I'm not really a people watcher, but I appreciate just understanding who all's out there. And mm-hmm. you see some mixing up. You'll see people that are like, oh, your grandpa did this. Yeah, your grandpa carried this. Or your grandma built this. Your grandma was, you know, mm-hmm. at the factory making this. And that kind of stuff gets handed down. And then what's cool is that, yeah, you're not going to be able to buy all that stuff necessarily at a gun show. But when you can hang out, I, I just go to a gun show and hang. Like I like, especially if you're creating content. Um, so you can go to a gun show and just do like a. Uh, NPR type of this is what it was like if you think of it that way I'm just going to go to a gun show and experience it and I'm going to do a narration of what I learned at the gun show this weekend and you might find out that like oh somebody likes these things because their parents knew something about it or maybe they like it because of their wife did something you know you you hear all these different stories because here's the thing everybody at a gun show is just like a swap meet they're bored off their nuts they're just sitting there watching everybody walk by not buying the stuff at their table so if you stand in front of them at their table and talk to them it looks like somebody's buying something from their table and more than likely somebody's going to come up. And if you're polite and you walk away, as soon as somebody's there to buy, you let them sell a couple of things and then just hang out with them. You'll get all mm. kinds of cool stories. You give somebody a cup of coffee. If they've got something on the table, like let's say you're into 1911s or Garands or something, bring them a cup of coffee or, you know, whatever's appropriate Dorito bag of Doritos, whatever it looks like they want. And, you know, just something and uh or buy something off their table and then ask them hey can you tell me about these i'd like to own one but i can't and i'd like to i mean most of the time they'll talk your ear off right but here's the thing sure. now you go to the range 
and you're boom, boom, boom. And now you can walk up to somebody and go, you know, I was at a gun show and so and so told me that this and that. And they're like, you talk to so and so? She's my best friend or she's my neighbor. This is one of her old guns. Here, shoot it. So I just like, you know, that element of the, but you got to be down for hanging out and, you know. Oh, sure. Kind of yeah. But it's sort of like cars or something, you know, if you look at a car show and go, oh, I can't buy any of these cars. I can't drive none of these cars. But some people just like to talk about the engines or the paint jobs or, you know, where they drove their cars. You know, there's all that elements to it. Mm. All right. So yeah, that's, um, that's, that's cool, man. No, that's, um, that's, that's, that's good stuff. I, I do want to say this now. I do want to say this, like, are you, you know, I don't want to get too far away from, you know, writing the show descriptions. Um, you actually said to me at one point, you're like, hey, man, this is this is really good stuff because you've got sto like written stories on, uh, you know, whatever, a few paragraphs on on all of the people that are that are on the show. And you're like, you're you're documenting all of these people. And I'm like, that's that's a really cool way to look at it, because I never looked at it before. Like, you know, I'm I'm here like, OK, like, where am I going next and who can I have on the show? And, you know, when can I put the show out and all that kind of stuff? Um, but looking at it from that uh, aspect is really I'm like. Yes, important. Like, how come I haven't didn't have James Yeager on the show? Like, how come my path didn't cross with you know intersect with him? And when's he going to intersect with this person and that person? How can I get this guy on the show? How can I get this gal on the show? You know, uh, that's that was that really made me look at things a little bit differently and and see a different value for what it is uh, what it is that I'm doing and putting out. You've seen Full Metal Jacket before the movie Full Metal Jacket. I do. I enjoy it until Arlie Ermy dies, and then uh, I'm like, all right. Then now it just feels like a regular war movie. Well, but that movie isn't that the. If I'm remembering it right, there's that's the movie about the reporter and pretty much all time. Oh no, that was uh, Good Morning Vietnam with Robin Williams. No, no, right? not that one. No, no. Well, I mean, I guess it's similar to that. But no, I'm reporter. thinking of the one where the guy's got the camera and he's pretty much there taking pictures of the whole thing. I thought oh, that was Jack. I don't think that's. Uh... I don't think that's Full Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket is about the two guys that go in, and then Arlie Ermey gives them a hard, you know, bust their cookies through basic like training, and then they, then, okay. then they go well, to I'm Vietnam. Anyway, I get the I get the uh, impression of you as the, either the rock and roll reporter who's going on tour with everybody and getting the behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, I love of, that. You know, after the show and hanging out with them and whatnot, and then uh, or. Um, the, uh, um, uh, I was going to say, embedded reporter who's going in. Although that's a little bit more like, you know, somebody who's not affiliated. So I'd say it's more like a musician who's going in and hanging out and just then, you know, maybe, uh, oh, you know who I could use? How about Hunter S. Thompson? It's like you're Hunter S. Thompson hanging out, interviewing people, doing your thing. So uh, maybe not that wild. But, uh, you know, you've, you're, you're that thread through the second amendment and pretty much gun industry, you know, depending on how, where you take it or what, but, uh, second amendment advocates for sure. So, yeah, I mean, you're definitely creating a, a resource there and there's plenty of ways you can, uh, develop it or whatever you continue to use it. Yeah. I, I love it. I've had a couple of people reach out to me and they said, Hey, listen, I'm having so-and-so on the show. Did you, have you had them on your show? And, um, can, you know, could you send me the link? Cause I want to, I went before they're on my show. <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, yeah, I love that. I, I that. Every single time I have somebody on my show, I send them to listen to your interview with them because it's such a complete interview with them. At least as far as their second amendment activism, activism, it's not like you spend three hours with them, which I try not to do. 
but I end up doing it, um, which is a different thing, right? And that would be great, but then the person wouldn't have a consumable understanding of the project or the, the people that you're interviewing. And you're doing it for people that are value. I mean, anybody could do it for again for like the different optic people, and you'd get paid. Like somebody would pay you to mm-hmm. listen to people talk about optics or the red dot or whatever, and they'd right. be people that are paid by the company to do that. And you would be doing it in that way. But uh, anyway, much appreciated. The uh, next question, I have a couple of questions. I guess unless I'm kind of it's all a- over the place here because I'm watching the time, but go ahead. Yeah. So DJ Plane, I says that uh, that is Full Metal Jacket. Joker is the protagonist and the journalist, and uh, Rafterman is the photographer. So you were right. Okay. I thought I thought that I was remembering something about the, at least the, the concept that there was somebody who was narrating the movie and all the weird stuff was happening, but they were in it. You know, they weren't just watching it and like showed up. They were enlisted. They were in it, and they were going through it. And that's you know, you're an activist. You're doing it, and at the same time, you're there with the camera and the, the documenting it as it's going there um mm. which is it, it's more than that because like an army reporter you're also kind of giving intelligence to the group as it's moving so that people know who what's being taken care of and um you know who's doing what and you know that can be useful when people are deciding what they're going to do all right, so if I have, like I say, I know I appreciate it. It's late, and probably because it's late, I'm going all over the place on tangents and stuff. So uh, if this isn't the perfect interview, uh, definitely. Uh, have you been interviewed before? I know that as an interviewer, people might take it for granted. Um, yeah, I've I've been on. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been on. Gosh, I've been on with Amanda. Uh, I've been on with Cheryl Todd a couple times. Um, well, I'm going to recommend the, right, the Gun Freedom Radio interview then. So I'll link to that one for sure. If I haven't already, I may have. Um, but yeah. uh, that'll be what I'll recommend as far as uh, getting to know more about uh, Charlie and his projects. Because we didn't even talk about um, Gun Grams hardly at all. We didn't talk about the um, uh, the, um, the instructing project we're doing instructing. with Matt. Oh, well, with Matt, yeah, yeah. That's what you do as a real job. I guess I only see what you do online or whatever. But the right. uh, no, the um, what can I think of it now? I wrote it down. Uh, yeah, Matt and with Meet the Pressers. Meet the Pressers, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't have a real title for that. It was it was one of these things where he was like, "Hey, listen, you're a pretty busy guy. You've talked to a lot of people. Um, Matt, Matt's partner for show for for Meet the Pressers, uh, Clint." macro um was hired by the uscca so he's you know got other obligations and so matt's like hey i'm i'm gonna have some people sit in with me and and co-guest host but he says i think we should do a show together and i'm like okay well what do you mean he's like let's have you know the um some of the some of the favorite people you've had on some of the favorite people he's had on his show and uh and we we do it on Streamyard. it we were in the spring we were doing it regularly but you know things happen over the summer and people get busy and he's traveling around the country teaching classes and um but yeah that's it's i know we have both of it we put the links in the shows on both of our uh on youtube our youtube channels yeah i think that's innovative for one that you're sharing it you know there's people that have shared channels they wouldn't let us share channels for a while now Streamyard is letting us share like hosting of these live things which is a cool way to to kind of get a you know a collaborative project with two YouTube channels. So that's cool off the bat. But then the fact that you're bringing people back that you've both already interviewed 
is epic because no one's ever doing that. No one, really, it's definitely appreciated. So I don't know if you get a bit of feedback on that, but it's definitely appreciated both for the individuals, I'm sure, so that they can elaborate on what they've got going on. And then uh, so that those who are following them and supporting them have more idea of what, again, what, you know, the scope of what they're doing or what they might need, how to support them more effectively. Um, okay, so again, I'm trying to keep an eye on the time and not keep you all night. I do want to have a couple of questions before we end it, because uh, again, you're kind of in a, well, you are in a unique position, um, but you're compared to the people I've had on, you're definitely in one of the more unique positions to answer this, the last one here. But the first one, we barely touched on it, but uh, one of the things that you've helped with and that you're involved with is the 2A fashion shows with Amanda Suffolk. And my question is an open-ended one. What do you think the impact is of uh, 2A fashion shows and what's your experience been with the emceeing of it? I, Amanda is great and she's always fun to work with. She is uh, she's a, certainly more of a type A personality. I think I'm somewhere between a minus a, a and a B plus maybe. Um, so she wants to make sure everything goes really smooth. I think they're, I think they're really cool to have. I think they I think they do have an impact on people because people, particularly people that are new to to firearms and people that want to carry because in my mind as a guy that uh that carries for or i hope i don't have to use it for self-defense but it, i'm not not being a hunter or competitive shooter um i i i carry for personal protection if somebody's new to this they need to find ways that are going to carry for them or that ways that are going to work for them to carry and i think the fashion shows are a fun way to do that um, whether it's the you know the, the filster holster, the inside the, the waistband holsters, or the, the ankle holsters, or the, the, the off-body holsters, there's there's a huge market of uh, cons uh, products that people don't know about. There was a, a woman here last Christmas in Massachusetts that uh, she was going through a purse. She's at the self-checkout at the Walmart, uh, going through a purse, had a gun in her purse, gun went off, like you know, gun went off, didn't hurt anybody. Um, but the, a round came out of the, you know, a round came out of the gun, shot out of her purse. And you see the comments and, uh, on social media about this and people are like, she needs to lose her gun license and they need to take her kids away from her. And I'm like, uh, uh, they don't need to take their kids away from her and she might need to take a class. I know guns, guns are expensive and purses are expensive. Uh, if she knew that she could buy an Uncle Mike's holster for 15 bucks and sew it on the inside of her purse so that nothing got on the trigger guard, that would be great. So getting out to those kinds of people, I think it's really an invaluable thing and it's a fun way to do it. And I don't know if enough people take them seriously, but it's it's a fun way to to get together with a bunch of people that are pro-gun folks and show off all these these different products. Right on. Yeah, I think it really normalizes stuff too, you know, just being able to say we've got that in the inventory of stuff that... Uh... Yeah, and, and so like... Are, are started by women because women have different body types than men do and they carry in different places and, and the guns are going to poke them in different places. Um, so it's, it's, it's really cool. I had uh, one of the, the interviews I really enjoyed was having Dean Adams. Um, uh, oh my gosh, Anna Taylor. I had her on the show and um, she like domestic violence, single mom, four kids had 200 bucks and decided to put her uh, to put her, put a holster together and like she took her last 200 bucks to put it into her holster you know it, it worked out well for her so 
uh, you know, she's, she's got a bunch of products and, and she's all over the country and she's supporting a bunch of, um, you know, the fashion shows and uh, the DC project and a, and a bunch of other, uh, bunch of other things. Oh, dude, I didn't even think about that aspect of it. But I mean, I, I mean, I've, from just going to SHOT Show, I know that there's a difference and an increase in the amount of female-owned and female-focused um, in you know stuff in the industry of all kinds, mostly holsters and whatever. But uh, I didn't even think about the fact that when those female-owned businesses succeed and get larger, that they turn around and support stuff like the fashion show and stuff. So, oh yeah, yeah. absolutely, obvious, absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, then the next question, uh, and then is, let's see. Okay, what, I'm going to say gear, but I guess maybe just what would you say is needed to get started in 2A activism in 2022? Uh, I'm going to say a little bit, uh, I don't know what the, the proper mixture would be. But there's got to be there's got to be some some knowledge, and there's got to be some passion, and there's got to be a little bit of time. Like you you can't just come out and be like, well I'm pro gun. Well how come? Well because the government shouldn't do this. No 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 no. Like what, what do you when you say you're pro gun? What do you mean? You know because you find out some people are pro gun, and they're you know they're for magazine restrictions or they're for you know they were for the bump stock ban. Okay that's that's not pro gun. That's you. Tagging, what was the first one again? Uh, it, the magazine restrictions, you know, magazine so, capacity. So you said passion and time. Sorry, what was the first one? Oh, so, uh, so passion. You got to have some some knowledge, no. and some passion and some time. So you have to you have to know about what these things are, and you, you know you got to know what you're talking about because when you when you you know when when you've been doing this for a long time and you see somebody come out and they they use term you know they use the the terms that we we run from you know if they're like well you, sh you should have a, a, 15, a 15 round clip in your gun Ooh, hold on it's like uh, take it easy there now let's 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 get the same terminology and make sure we're talking about the same thing here um you've got to have some knowledge you got to know that we don't call them clips we call them magazines um you know we don't call them assault weapons we call them rifles or we call them ars or a modern sporting rifle we don't call them assault weapons they're you know like you, you gotta you gotta have some information about what it is you've got to have a passion to do it because you're um you know and i a lot of my stuff comes from from being in occupied territory you know from being in a in a, a non-gun state uh you gotta have passion for it because people uh people are gonna tell you no and they're gonna say well you shouldn't have a gun and you shouldn't you shouldn't do this and you know i i I put something up on saturday on my town community page that i'm you know advertising for gun classes in september and somebody's like, well, should this, I'm offended by this. Um, you sh this shouldn't be out there. Why am I seeing this BS? Uh, you know, people, why does, why does he have a, an automatic rifle on this advertisement and kids are getting shot in schools with these. And I, and I, those, but you gotta, you, you gotta have some passion for it because people are gonna, people are gonna tell you, no, they're gonna kick you and they're gonna, they're gonna say that you shouldn't do this. And, you know, so you gotta, you gotta love what you're doing. And, and the time one is you gotta be able to put the time in, you know, it's, it's not like, well, I want to show up and I'm going to talk to someone for three minutes and then I'm done. I put my time in and no, you gotta be there a little bit beforehand. You gotta know what you're talking about. You gotta speak intelligently about it. And, 
um, it might you might you might have to take a day off of work. You might have to leave work early. Like you gotta you gotta put some time into into this as well. Dude, I'm trying to take notes, but uh, that's awesome. I uh, just dropped that on you out of no place, and I don't think I could. Well, I definitely didn't expect to see that one coming. That's an awesome answer. So appreciate that. Um, um, I'm not sure how many people are listening live, but uh, hopefully that woke them up. If you were trying to get to sleep, sorry if that woke you up. So the last question uh, is going to be one I've been attempting. To, well, I, I've been asking everybody a couple of books, and I haven't been doing it consistently. So I'm not going to count that as a question. But if you do have a couple of books, I'll take them. But uh, Or um, I'll, I'll put that into my notes here, uh, two books you might recommend. But uh, well, actually, I'll just ask that question first. Do you have two books that you would recommend to people? Oh my gosh! Um, or movies? It uh, doesn't have to be books. No. So, so I think uh, John Petrolino is a good friend, and he's got a great book out called "Decoding Firearms," and that is a great book for people that are new shooters. Um, so it's 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 a really good book for that. Um, okay. My my personal favorite book on. Um, my, my personal favorite gun book is is written by Jeff Cooper. It's called uh, I'm going to screw the title up, but it's the uh, the complete book of the modern technique. And it was written in the late oh my gosh, early '60s I think. And it uh, all the guns in there are dated, but what I like about it is there's a section on training, and he said that if you want to become better, then other shooters at the shooting range, you should dry fire for 10, uh, 10 minutes a day and then go to the range week. And you should shoot at, shoot a three inch, a three inch target at, you know, three feet. And then once you have all your shots, uh, you know, uh, whatever, a hundred rounds or something. Uh, once you have all your shots in a three inch circle at three feet, then move it out to seven feet. And then after they're in the seven foot circle, move them out to 10 feet and then move it out to 15 feet and work your way back out to 20 feet. And I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest. This is like, this gives me a plan of what I need to do. And it's, it's to dry fire for 10 minutes a day and go to the range once a week. And there's no plinking. There's no, there's no nothing else. And in six months you'll be and six years after I started shooting, I was like, man, I should probably put that six months in any time now. <laughs> um, and I, I really like that because to me, it's um, it's not it's it really to, like the, the Cooper book is the to me, the fundamentals of shooting. It's like, here's how you become a good shooter. The principles of personal defense. Is it the one called the principles um, of personal defense? No, it is. Um, uh, you know what? Let me see if I Ride, can get up. shoot straight and speak this truth. Speak nope. The truth. Okay. If I can type it in here. Um, Looking through Cooper's uh, list here. It's an old book. It's got a, a red and white-ish cover. Um, there's a, I mean, I, I, Jeff Cooper's awesome. You know? Yeah, well, I'll find it. But I uh, appreciate that because that was, again, out of nowhere. So then the last question is, again, and I believe you're unique in being able to, because you know a lot of the players and you know, you've been, you're not just aware of the players, but you kind of know what they're doing on the board. And you've been, even if you're not 100% aware where everybody is right this second on the board, you know what they're all capable of and you know uh, again, what their resources they have available to them. 
So my question is, you are now the five-star general of 2A. Gun Rights Policy Conference is about to happen in the last couple of days of this month and then beginning of October. And they figure out, you know what, Charlie knows pretty much everybody and what we're going to do is fund him. He just, you know, he's making five-star general money. You know, he doesn't have to worry about money no more. He's got the 2A jet. Glock donates their jets. He got the Glock jet. Go wherever you need to go. <laughs> I and, love it. Right? So you've got everybody is like, you know what's available to us or mm -hmm. to you, and you know what we're capable of. So everyone's willing to take direction. This is now what do you do for the next five years and 10 years? What do I do? Yeah. You get a five-star general at two-way. You got everybody out there on the playing field. How would you Five use star. what you got, and what would your objectives be? I I would encourage I would encourage people to get more people in uh, in the fold and let them uh, go from being anti-gun to a gun agnostic, or from a gun agnostic to pro-gun, like that, like you know, the like the the whole twenty-two is a gateway drug, you know. Um, I'm down. People, so how, how would you see again? Everybody's at your disposal. How do you right? Um, these agents we have to have at um, at at the grocery store, uh, at at the movies, standing in line at the checkout, uh, and just letting people people know. Say, hey, listen, have you ever gone shooting before? Um, we get, we got to have these conversations so we get more people that are into it. The I think with the pandemic. Uh, and certainly not, not necessarily pandemic, but with all the, the riots and the lockdowns in 2020, um, we had some non-gun people that did come out and said, oh, I can't just go buy a gun. Uh, I've got to take a class. What do you mean I have to pass background checks? I have to do all this stuff. Um, so I think we need to educate more people. And um, if it's not for them, that is that is totally cool. Like, I don't have a problem having it not be for people. But um, get them so they're not afraid of it and they're not, you know, they're not concerned about oh my gosh he's got a you know he's got a gun and i saw him screaming and shouting at somebody at the at the, at the in the parking lot so i think I'm, I'm afraid for my life because i know he's got a he's got a smith and wesson sticker on his on his car and um you know he's mad so he's a lunatic i need to call call the police and have him red flag and take his guns away um i think we need to get more people into it and um turn people onto it uh by by sharing stories um, by letting them see the the content that people are putting out, um, you know, yeah, by 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 getting people into it, and keeping them informed, or getting them informed, and saying, hey, listen, we don't we don't have assault rifles, we have we have rifles, and assaults in action. It's not a uh, it's not an oh my god adjective, um, or it's an adjective. It's not uh, it's not an action, you know, and and how come it's okay for these people to have you know, politicians, how come it's okay for politicians and police officers to, to be protected with firearms, but not with other people to be, uh, be protected with firearms. So we need to get, we need to get more people into it and make it more normal, you know, make shooting normal again, make, make owning a, a gun, not crazy or make it special, uh, not, not make it not special, but not make it, um, not make it taboo, I guess. Make it normal, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Normal again, as I think that was Paul saying, or I think that was, um, well, somebody said that lately. I said, make guns normal, and they said, they come again. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's better. Yeah. Um, have you the, met Dr. David Yemene, the Professor Yemene? Uh, I have not. Um, real quick, the, the book is called, the Jeff Cooper book is The Complete Book of Modern Handgunning. 
Okay. And the cover has a, a red banner on the top, and it's got um, pictures of three different guns, a, a single action, a semi-auto, and a revolver on it. The Complete Book of Modern. Have you been to Gunsight before? I have not been to Gunsight. I know I've got some friends that are going this year. They're going next month. And uh, I was hoping to pull it off, but um, I was not. Um, So anyway, yeah, I would love to get And and of course, I was like, well, if I'm, you know, back in the spring, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but uh, I'm going to I'm going to go to Gunsight with everybody. And uh, and then I started carrying my 1911 around and drawing my 1911 out and practicing drawing the gun out and turning the safety off. And I'm like, all right, the safety is baloney, man. Like, I'm going to go back to using a Glock. (laughs) Um, But uh, David Yamani. I'm, he's in one of the Carolinas, I believe, right? Um, I think so. I've, he's on the East Coast, but I don't know exactly. He's at a school out there. Yeah, I think he's. I think he's in one of the Carolinas. I'd love to have him on the show. I'd love to have everybody on the show. Like, I want to increase my circle of friends. Um, I, I tell I tell folks that I want to get to the point where I'm known as Charlie. Like that's it. Like one name. Like like Bono. Like Elvis. Like Kramer. Like I want people to be like, oh, have you talked to Charlie? Do you know Charlie? Have have you had have you been on Charlie's show? And I like that would be the <laughs> that would be the coolest thing, you know. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I want to have. So I mean, I want. Uh, what's that? You're getting there. I'm get yeah, absolutely. I'm getting there. It's a lot of work, and it's it's cool. Well, the reason I guess I was asking about the professors because his uh, campaign, I guess, his guns are normal. And, mm. uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. You're kind of getting there. All right. Well, again, thanks for uh, coming on. I, there are a couple of uh, questions that came up. Uh, do you still have a? Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, sure. I know someone. So I uh, someone asked a while ago. I mean, I saw some of the questions. A lot of great stuff on here. Somebody asked. Start here. Go ahead. Uh, somebody asked if I ever freaked out, or was starstruck. Um, <clears throat> it. It. Honestly, it's one of these things where. Um, I do get starstruck and then I do the show and then I go back and watch it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I was, you know, I can't believe I drove Masada Yuba around. Um, and I, I interviewed mass in, uh, in Florida in tw- uh, t- March, February of 2019. Um, and it was one of these things where I, I knew he was going to this event. Kevin Sona was telling me that mass was speaking at it and he's like, Hey, you should have mass on the show. And I'm like, you know what? I met him once before I got his phone number and, uh, I need to call him. And it was one of these things where I, I told myself Friday at, by one o'clock, I'm calling Masada you. And Friday at one Oh five, I get a phone call from Kevin. And I'm like, oh my God, how did he know? Like, how did he know that I was going to call Mass? And so I told him the whole thing. I said, by one o'clock, I was going to call Mass, and it's five after when I said I was going to call him. And he's like, dude, um, call me, call me in ten minutes. Let me know how it goes. And I called him. I'm like, hi, Mass. My name's Charlie Cook. I know you don't remember me, but we met uh, Gun Rights Policy Conference 2016. I'm going to this event in Florida. You're going to this event in Florida. I interview people in the car. Would you be interested in getting the car and riding around with me? And he's like, uh, sure, sounds good. I'm like, okay, great, thanks. Click, like, <laughs> like, I didn't get enough details. <laughs> like, I don't, we don't, we don't have a plan. I need to know what's going on. Um, and then, then you know, meet him in person. You're like, holy crap, man, that's Masada Yub. That was that it's was super down to earth. He's very much like, um, you know, he doesn't uh, lord it over anybody. That you know, he's got such a stature in the community or whatever. He's very. Uh, 
uh, there's a lot of people who you've must be in the same position. You've met even more people than I have. And there's people that'll react differently when people come up and shower them with that kind of attention. And mm -hmm. Moss is, well, he's super experienced at it, but he's just, a, it's not humble. It's just, you know, he, he understands it. And he, he, he accepts people. He's just very gracious about it. Is that the way to do it? Um, yeah, very I cool think that's dude. the right word. And you don't have to. Right, you don't have to spend a lot. He doesn't need a lot of time. He can kind of. Luckily, I think people help vet. You know, people so he doesn't get too many yahoos coming up to him. But uh, you know, he appreciates uh, you know people that want to hang out. You know, he he offers his uh, presence. Right, he offers his time and his insight, which is super cool. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people expect something from that. He's very. I think that's the word. Anyway, so yeah, that's uh, a great example. I think I don't know if I ever mentioned it ever, but he was the first. He's the only, only people I think that I ever went up and said, "Hey, Masada, you can I get a picture taken with you?" And that was in two thousand and nine. <laughs> that was the first and last picture I ever took with somebody. And I was like, "That felt really weird. I'm never doing that again." And then, oh my gosh, it's, it's so the, so I, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. I was just gonna say, I, you know, I was ever just, since knowing him, and he's a freaking. He's, I don't want to say he's my grandpa, but he's like a super nice guy. I like to think if I go stand around somewhere and Masada knows who I am. Yeah, it's uh, that is that is pretty cool when when that kind of stuff happens. Um, I was just thinking of something and I, I lost my train. That's all right. Uh, I was guessing was just talking about like one and only time I went and got the selfie or whatever. Who's oh, the selfies? That's, that was one of the things when I first. When I first started doing this, I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get a selfie with them. Oh, my God, I got to get a selfie. Like, every time I see them, I got to get my picture with them. I got to get my picture. And now, you know, you see these people, you run into them enough. You're like, I don't really need to get a picture. I don't need the the social proof or whatever. Um, Here's a question. There's, there's did, plenty it, of did you yeah. stop asking for selfies before someone asked you for a selfie? Or did someone ask you for a selfie made you stop asking other people for selfies? Oh, God. I stopped asking because I, I'm like – I, I went from from being a guy that had an idea and then started a YouTube channel and then um, like eventually I get to the point where I'm like, okay, so these are these are kind of like my peers, you know, and I don't want to be uh, I don't want to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe it's you. Oh, let's get our picture together. I'm like, dude, I, I don't have to get their picture every time. I've got their phone number. I can call and text them or, what you know. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's like going up to your friend at work hey let's get a selfie i mean some people do that anyway i guess but yeah it's i totally understand so um next question is from dj hardest gun gram choreography which ones were the most difficult took the most number of oh takes my gosh. oh man that is a good question uh at first i was uh i was a one take charlie like i'm doing them in one take and that's it and i wasn't uh, I guess confident with my editing skills um, because I didn't want to have anything edited too much. Then I got to the point where like, you, just, you weren't just like so like RoboCop or Terminator where you could just knock it out in one take. You're just saying you would do it over and over until you didn't have to edit it and it would be one shot. Yeah, right. And but, I'm like, I, I would, you know, maybe maybe say, if, depending on how much ammunition I'm using and how much reloading and, and all that kind of stuff, um, I wanted to do it and have one take. And that was it. And then I then I got to the point where you know I could be a little more a little more artsy with things and and do the um, oh my god what did you call them the J clips the J hooks they call I just watched the show and they call them J and L clips I don't know if that's a thing okay. or if that's just what that channel 
something. Yeah, I, no, that's they they are a thing, and I can't remember what they are exactly. But then I I started to I started to use the Adobe uh, for the GunGrams. I use my phone, and Adobe has a a free, I think it's free, um, edit video editing software. I used to use i iMovie, but Adobe has one, and that you can you can put very much like using Adobe Premiere on on my computer. So I would. I would plan things like I would go through a shot list and say, okay, well, I'm going to play the song and then I need to get video of me, you know, spinning my trumpet or a video video of my feet, or I'm going to put some slow motion in here of me racking the slide and having the cartridges come out. And then I'd kind of come up with a shot list like that. And then, uh, and then I'd say, okay, I'm going to, I got all this video. I'm going to put them all together and edit it. So it's, you know, whatever, a minute, minute, 15 seconds or something, minute and a half. And, um, and try to figure that out. And there, there's certainly plenty of times when I'm like, you know, I, I make a shot list of things I want to, you know, get video of, and then I forget it and don't get crap. And I got to I find a way to work around it or do something else. Um, I think one that was really fun was uh, Dr. Worm by They Might Be Giants. And on, you know, I'm I'm really a trombone player, but I do play the trumpet on the gun grams, and uh, I played. I have a Walther P22, and the, the old jazz guys used to rest the bell of the trombone on their wrist, and they'd use the plunger mute and the right hands on the slide. So I would, uh, for that particular video, I rested the rested the bell of the trombone on my left wrist. I shot left-handed and used my slide. And that was a little tricky. I'm like, oh my god, what if I, you know, what if I shoot my slide? That's going to be a very big problem. Um, but I like that one because I ended up um, doing two. Uh, I I got video of me playing the trumpet and playing the trombone at the same time, and I put them together into a little, you know, mix so you can hear a melody part and a bass part, and you know, shooting in both videos. That was that one was a lot of fun. Um, bonus question: What's your favorite "We Might Be Giant" song? I don't know any others besides uh, Doctor Worm. Oh, that one. That wasn't yeah. the group that you. No, I. I mean, I. When I was in high school and in college, I, I listened to a bunch of jazz, and then I moved. I ended up moving back to Boston, and I started listening to to ska, and you know the Mighty Mighty Boston's and Real Bit Fish and stuff, and. Um, I started to dig that stuff because I'm like, it's, it's not rock and roll, but they got great horn sections and the music's upbeat. And yeah, I dig, I love the boss tones. I think they're great. Okay. Um, I accidentally bought ska records thinking they were punk records. So I've listened to ska. Is that kind right, of like ska? Yeah. They called it ska it's punk. Back in the day, you bought records. It's like back in the day you bought records. Based you on bought records. <laughs> You bought records too. I didn't think this was going to sound like this, but anyway, I understand the music you're talking about. I can't say that I'm a aficionado or anything. Is this uh, Dexy's Midnight Runners? Is not ska? No, I just think that's like 80s pop. Pop, okay. But um, they're the ones that dress like like overalls and stuff, or is that? Yeah, and they they dance with the Come On Eileen. Yeah, I yeah, but I'm saying the ska were dressing in overalls all the time, and it's like from Europe. No, so the ska guys were into wearing suits. Oh, then I'm thinking of something totally different. I'm thinking of something totally different. Yeah, the the uh, I mean the the, the mighty mighty Boston's wore suits all the time. Oh, I, okay. I, did, I gotcha. Yeah. I feel like 50 suits. 
no, they didn't have thin ties, but they'd, um, you know, it's, it's suit pants and, and a jacket and a nice shirt and a tie. They, they didn't have like the thin, you know, the thin ties, like the beatniks. But but there was like, I guess there was a ska era in the 70s where they did have that with, um, oh my gosh, what were they, I can't, I can't remember, the, the specials. The specials were into like 1950s, wear a pork pie hat and wafer sunglasses and a thin tie. But they were, man, the specials, I think, were the late 70s, early 80s. Hmm. Well, all right. I was going to save this one until we got done asking the questions. But I'm looking at barbecue's question. You kind of already answered about the Rod of, Fest or the Rod of Iron Festival. You said you'd like to go next year. Should we take a second and talk about what that even is, the Rod of Iron Festival in Pennsylvania? So the, the Rod of Iron Festival is at the Tommy Gun Warehouse. It's put on by Car Arms. And they have um, uh, they have two brothers. Uh, one of them got into firearms. The other one got into religion. And they have their own little uh, own little religion. They are they are the Moonies. I don't want to. Uh, their father was the Reverend who escaped Korea thanks to the American military. So they realized that firearms are very important because they were you know their father got out of. Uh, I got out of Korea, I think, during in the Korea War, but before there was North and South, maybe before there was North and South Korea, I'm I'm not 100% sure, but um, but it's this big event that they do, and they have um, uh, they've had Stephen Williford speak at this. The Mark Walters has been there. Uh, man, they they do a fashion show. Um, they uh, they have machine guns you can go shoot. Obviously, there's vendors for food and T-shirts and and all sorts of stuff, and it's it's just kind of a cool little thing that they throw, um, and it's a, it's a two day long of a weekend. It's a Saturday and Sunday, and I've uh, Amanda Savakul asked if I wanted to go to this a couple of years ago, so I'm like, yeah, sure. And the next year, she's like, hey, we're doing a fashion show. Do you want to MC it? Yeah, sure. And the next year, she's like, hey, they're doing a fashion show, and they're gonna they're gonna put us up this time. I'm like, oh, that's even better. <laughs> now we get a hotel to stay at. Um, oh, and it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really cool, it's kind of a cool thing. Um, and it's, it's fun to go to. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, since there, there are Korean, there's a lot of Korean folks that go to this, but there's a lot of, um, you know, white Americans, or sometimes we call it cheese. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, whatever, white folks. There's, a, there's a lot of people. I'm not saying it's just for Koreans, but, um, I think over the last couple of years, there's been less Koreans and, and more, um, Americans. I know that's the bad way to say it and make it sound horrible and whatever, but no, I, didn't yeah. know. I thought it was uh, um, more of just an open thing. So it sounds like it's the evolution of something from the church that's getting larger as opposed to it's, something that was like rated as an industry event out of nowhere. Cause it's happening. It's uh, I, I, I think it's a little of both. Like there's, there, there's some people that are um, like, you can't, they don't sell, they don't sell guns, but um, there are some people that are, um, that are gun vendors um, and they'll, they'll sell some products and, and um, uh, it, they have, they have a bunch of speakers for two days. They have a band, uh, a couple bands that play and um, they have some education classes that are going on as well. Uh, Kelly pigeons taught a couple classes about, uh, about carrying for women and different ways that they can carry. Yes. Well, it makes uh, more sense too, that it's coming from the church side. So I think of it, I've been a big fan. You know, we call this the daily gun show because I've been a big fan of gun shows my whole life. I've been going to gun shows forever. I've gone to gun, I've traveled a lot. So I've gone to gun shows in different parts of the country in different times of my life. So, you know, throughout spans of decades, I've been going to gun shows. I really appreciate them. 
Uh, so I named the show the Daily Gun Show, um, so that we can uh, kind of play. Uh, well, I call my tour the Daily the, the Gun Show Loophole Tour to play off the loop the loophole thing, and then uh, to keep the gun show thing going. You know, do the Daily Gun Show here. So then, um, as I've experienced that one from afar, because I haven't been able to get over there. Uh, it's too far from Tucson to get to that one. Um, but I've been watching the things like, I don't know if you've paid attention to the ones on this side of the country are the October, uh, Red October happens pretty soon here in uh, Vegas. And then there's one called Clash Bass Texas that happens in Texas. And these oh, are, cool. I have... yeah, they're, if they're not on your radar I and mean, they're just kind of unique, but they're, it's similar to Rod of Iron in that they, they're the, I call them like a hybrid. You've been to Media Day at the range now, which is basically going to a shooting range and having vendors and, and manufacturers and different people show up, have an opportunity to pull triggers, get an, a, a feel for the firearm and hear from the manufacturers directly about what's so good about it and that kind of thing. And then it's an opportunity for media to take video and to see, you know, get actual, um, feedback from people who are experiencing it right so it's not just like you know it's a really cool thing uh, and then you've been to media day so media day is invite only you have to be pressed to get there or a manufacturer is kind of a lot of hurdles to get to it happens for one day literally it's in vegas which is nice but you know it's be nicer if it was all over the place and that's what this seems to be like a version of that mixed with a gun show mixed with an event, just like not quite a rally, a little bit bigger, more elaborate than that. Like say it's a couple of days, but they've got like music that shows up and people come just to be like at the concert part of it. So it's kind of like a state fair, except second amendment focused, not just gun focused, but then definitely gun themed. Right. And yeah. I just think that's cool because gun shows are dying. Gun shows kind of took a lot of hits and a lot of abuse and not a lot of appreciation. So, the gun show promoters are out there doing what they can, which is, you know, all they can do. But uh, these type of things, like you're talking about the rod of iron, I, I'm talking about with the AK ones. And there's some other things, you know, when um, they closed it now, I guess. But uh, what was the big machine gun shoot in, in Tennessee? Uh, oh, uh, Knob Creek. Knob Creek. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, when Knob Creek was going, it had a big gun show, too. So it was essentially the same kind of an evolution of a get-together that, you know, because a rally is great, but a rally is because we're getting abused, right? We're getting attacked, and we need to get together to resist. So there's a an reason for that, and we kind of have a reason to be there. But these are just kind of being able to kick back and enjoy it and learn and, and in this case, get some education and stuff. So anyway, I just thought it was cool to take a second to chat about it, and I'm glad they were able to participate in it. And the fact that it's helping by, or it's large enough that it's able to help you get there. Mm -hmm. I'm super encouraged that one, it's, it's being, getting bigger. You know, if you said, well, you know, they said we can come if we pay our own game, you know, like this kind of thing, that'd be a different indication. So that's cool. Yeah. The, I think the first year, uh, they put us up in like a, a dorm style. Like we, we stayed we stayed at some, it seemed like a dormitory. They had a big area for cafeteria, and they had these little teeny tiny rooms with a couple small beds and maybe a dresser. Yeah, uh, yeah, something something like that. And then the next year, Amanda's like, "All right, there, there's, uh, you know, we we got a hotel." I'm like, "Oh, that's cool." <laughs> Certainly makes it easier. Well, I mean, yeah, it's neat to have adventures and stuff, but it's also nice to be comfortable when you're trying to get, you know, a job done or whatever. Oh yeah, definitely. 
you know, definitely. All right. So a couple more. DJ asked before you carried a firearm daily, were there any times or incidents in the past where you wish you had carried a firearm? Did, how did you handle it? I guess that's kind of a whole ball of worms there. So right. I, uh, I never did. Um, I, I never did. I, I did play in a, you know, like I said, I played the band for a long time and there were, uh, there was one time where some couple was going to hire us to play at their wedding. And I, I didn't know who they were. Like, I, I don't do any of the biz. I, I, I go in, I play and, you know, drink beers and go home. Um, and some gal came up and started talking to me and I, I'm just having a conversation with her. And then her husband was there and he was, you know, crap face drunk and he's like hey man we're not gonna hire your band stop talking to my wife i'm like dude i don't know what you're talking about man like this is this is ridiculous but um you know never never had someone break into my house or uh or anything like that carrying i think it was after that i was started to carry a leatherman because i'm like a leatherman's got a knife on it and i can bring it into a nightclub because it's got tools on it as well so uh kind of a handy thing to have but um and I didn't have any knife training. I wasn't a pro gun guy. I was, again, I was, this is before I was a gun guy. I, I do remember talking to the guys in the band saying, I think this gun stuff is pretty cool. Like, I, I think I want to carry one of those little, those little revolvers. <laughs> and, uh, and a buddy of mine is like, you want to carry a 38? I'm like, yeah, yeah, a 38. That's what I want to carry. Cause he was on a TV show or something probably. Not yeah. I, th I, I thought that's, you know, you, you think of these old detectives pulling out a little snub nose revolver. Yeah. Yeah, it also you know, is kind of the equivalent of the get get off of me. You're not looking for trouble. You're just able to be capable of resisting attack. Right? You're not exactly. Like exactly. Basically defensive. Um, yeah. Which is probably one of the reasons why we won't get into the whole thing about small revolvers at the end of a show. But uh, the last question is a good one from DJ, actually. Uh, I mean, it's a great end of the show question. What was the worst car rental experience ever funniest in traffic interaction with other motorists oh my gosh what about the worst i would ask right. the best but you know which was the most interesting car experience from the worst car experience one i went to worst rental car um i went to the florida carry event in march of last year 2021 i, I am um oh, i hate saying this now but i was uh, I was, I, I'm a, a Dave Ramsey guy. He's a, a debt-free guy and I was debt-free and, and I got rid of my credit cards in 2012. And in January of 2015, I paid off the car I had before I had the car I have now. And so for nice. six years, uh, six years, uh, yeah, I, six years, no credit cards, from, well, for 10 years now, no credit cards. Um, and I went to the Florida carry event and might, you know, I've got a visa debit card and it's worked for everything. Uh, everything and I, I get cars at Enterprise. Um, it's worked at everything every time. Other time, I get down to Florida Carry. Um, somebody, uh, I was, I think it was with Mike, Mike Piwarski and Doctor John Adine. I think they dropped me off at the the, the place in the Orlando, uh, out, you know, at the whatever the car rental place outside of Orlando. Um, and I went there and I'm like, all right, I want to rent a car. I got a reservation. You guys called me for it. We're good to go. Here's my driver's license. Here's my debit card. And they're like, oh, since you're using a debit card, we need to have, um, we need to have a, a electric, a, an electric bill, a phone bill. Uh, your, your, like they needed all this stuff. And I'm like, what? And and they're like, yeah, we have to have. Since you don't have a, 
a credit card and you have a debit card, you know, we're going to put an extra $250 on here and hold that. And um, we need to have all this other stuff to prove where you live. And I'm like, I've never had to have that anyplace else. And I'm good friends with my insurance guy. So I called his office and I'm like, can you make a copy of this and send it to me as a PDF so I can show it to these people? And it was just a hassle. And it took, it took an extra hour and 15 minutes to get this nonsense done. I was livid. I was like, I'm supposed to be out doing stuff right now. And instead, I'm sitting here getting a copy of our insurance policy to show you that I am who I am. So this is, this is ridiculous. Dude, that's so crazy. Uh, in 2009, uh, we went to SHOT Show in Florida. It was the last time it was in Florida. And I brought two mm -hmm. dudes. So it was expensive to get three of us from Tucson to Florida. And we get out there oh, literally sure. the same thing. Except we didn't get the card. Like we got there. Oh yeah, you can't use this credit card. We're like, what? So now we're standing at a credit at a I don't know how it actually is because I don't remember, you know, it was a long time ago and I didn't live there. But you know, we're standing at whatever the rental car place is off of the airport, I'm assuming, next to some highway with no rental car in the middle of the night. And in Florida shuts down. I'm oh. used to parts that just shut down at night. Like it was one of those kind of deals. So the three of us and everybody else is looking at me like or those other two guys were looking at me like yeah, real good planning, real good, real good running this, <laughs> this trip. But anyway, yes, and that's when I decided, you know what? I don't like this idea of flying to places. I need to start driving to places. Yeah, I can break down uh, I've made a couple... You can do stuff about it. You can't do shit about it when you're, you know, standing there and there's nobody that takes your credit card. Oh my gosh. Yeah. A little frustrating. Anyway, so yeah, that's interesting. The same kind of thing happened it must be something about florida because they got so many international or so many tourists probably just in general they probably get a lot of scams and stuff i'm sure i'm sure i was uh uh john petrolino and i went to gun prom in san diego back in june oh, we didn't and... even talk about that i'm gonna have mike on next week his interview oh. with you was freaking awesome and I, as soon as i literally i was been telling people i'm listening to the interview he gets to the three points where he's like uh, we don't, uh, we, we rely too much on lawsuits. We don't utilize the media and I'm like, pause. Yeah. And I'm writing him a fucking email. <laughs> Can you come on my show? So he's on next week. <laughs> That's awesome. We chatted yeah. He... Hour. Yeah. That, that was freaking great. And same thing with, uh, Toby from Cape Gunworks. I listened to that interview and mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I, I, you probably hadn't heard of this, but I was listening to the radio here in town and in Tucson. And Toby's on there, and he's saying something about 2A. And I'm like, what the hell? Did I just hear about 2A on the radio in Tucson? And then, you know, something else happened, and I'm not paying attention. And then the next week, something else, like 2A again. And I'm like, damn, this is a show about 2A. And then uh, it's on the radio. So what am I supposed to do about it? You know, it just happens. I can't stop and listen to the radio or whatever. So, you know, I just right. know that it was happening. And then you have him on. And I'm like, this is the dude. And then I hear the story. And I've <laughs> been hanging out listening to his radio show ever since. Oh, anyway, that's so awesome. yeah, your show is great for getting people aware of this great work that's been going on. Sorry, I cut you off there though, but no, I I, I think that's great. I mean, that's you know you know what that's that's what it's about. It's about letting uh, it, to me. It's about uh, you know expanding my circle of friends and letting more people in circles. You know, um, there's there there have been a few times when people said I didn't know about that person, but that person was really cool. And then you know, like just like with you, they're like. I, I hear this guy and then I see him on your show and I'm like, holy crap, this is awesome. Well, I was texting him. You were talking about gun prom. I cut you off to talk about that. Michael's going to be Oh, so gun prom. Yeah. So, so car rental stuff. Um, my plan at gun prom is, uh, so John, 
John had the rental car and I was just tagging along and I used it for a couple shows, but I was going to, um, on the last day I was going to rent a car because I had to drive, it was a hundred miles from, from Anaheim to San Diego to catch my flight. And I couldn't get a rental car because I had, so it was going to be about 150 bucks to rent a vehicle to drive it from Anaheim to San Diego. And they, um, they wouldn't, give it to me because I have a debit card. So I ended up, uh, I ended up calling an Uber and I, you know, the first thing I said to the guys, I said, listen, I got to go hundred miles to San Diego. Like, I just want you to know ahead of time, you know, cause it's going to be, you know, an hour and a half to get down there and then an hour and a half to get back. So, you know, I want to give them the courtesy of, Hey, this is going to be a long time. So, uh, and I ended up getting an Uber for honestly the same price as, uh, getting the rental car, but less hassle. So that was, that was, that was good. Crazy. Well, we're two hours into this. I think I hit most of the questions. I'm sorry if I missed some of the questions from the live people, but the good news is we've chatted so long that they've all fallen asleep, so they don't even know that we <laughs> missed the questions. Um, but Charlie, I do appreciate you coming on. Um, I think I kind of mentioned off air, and we'll up around my end credits, and we can still chat if you're still awake uh, when it's over. But uh, I've been doing the one interview each Monday with people, and then inviting you all back again to have a chat together. So if you're available and awake. Uh, later on in the month, I'll invite you back and I'll keep inviting you on the last Monday of each month if you ever are awake and want to chat with other activists and just shoot the shit. It's no no uh, agendas, just uh, talking about whatever's up um, or whatever, you know, usually when you bring two people together, there's a bunch of stuff that they didn't know they had in common. It's just fun for everybody yeah. to kind of, you know, let that happen. Yeah, so. So again, thanks for, for uh, joining us. And if they're on the way out here, I'll let you have the end of the show. If there's anything you want to plug, if you've got anything coming up, um, yeah, thanks again. I well, first of all, thanks thanks for having me on. I'm I'm glad we we finally made this happen, and I'm I'm you know I was able to 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 get you you were able to get me in the schedule, and I was able to get you in the schedule. Um, if people haven't checked out Writing Shotgun with Charlie, please do. They can they can watch it on YouTube, on Gunstreamer, on uh, the Opslens app. And they can listen to it in podcast form as well. Um, and it's on all the podcast stuff, you know. Yeah, it's on uh, iTunes and our, uh, it was Apple Apple Podcasts and Spotify and iHeartRadio and, and a bunch of people take it from there. So uh, if if they haven't checked it out, please do. Please subscribe. And you know, I I, I love that I put shows out, and you're you're like the first person that comments all the time, and, and I, I really appreciate it. I, I really do, G Webs. Yeah, you bet. I just happened to, well, I got Patreons. So there's this thing scrolling at the bottom of the screen. Uh, people subscribe to what we do. They buy us maybe a cup of coffee, maybe lunch once a month. And when enough people buy you a cup of coffee or a lunch, you're able to pay some bills and spend time on things like this without a focus on, you know, trying to get you to buy something. So, uh, yeah, I really appreciate it. Um, what I'll do is work on different websites or projects and be listening to you, Cheryl Todd, uh, Toby, and, uh, well, Paul, right? All the shows that are on. So it's uh, you, you, uh, I, <laughs> great for you. I thank you for being there to have something on. I don't have to listen to this like, radio or listen to a movie or something. I am baffled by how much content you take in because I don't think there's one show that I've listened to or watched where you haven't commented on. I'm like, I don't oh, know. Well, I, what, I don't watch anything that deals with the, the conversation again. Like if somebody's paying attention to the news of the day, I'm usually not watching it. Some of my friends that insist on watching news of the day I've been friends with for a decade or more, I guess now, you know, I'll hang out with them. That's usually where I get my news of the day. 
right. but uh, yeah, most of the time uh, I'm only focused on probably the same stuff you're focused on because you're either researching somebody to chat with or you know just paying attention to what's happening. Mm. It's, it's good, right. all good stuff, man. All right, well, I'll chat Thank with you. you a bit here and off air, but uh, yeah, I think actually one of the reasons I have people on is so we can chat off air because I got a couple ideas. I'll we'll keep you on too late here, but I'm just throw my end thing up here. Say thanks again to those. Uh, you have a Patreon, don't you? I do not. Okay, well, I... we'll be talking off air about that. But yes. uh, thanks to the people that subscribed to what we're doing, and uh, you can uh, grab uh, stuff over at the merch uh, section or the store section of FridayShotgun with Charlie.com. That's the most. I'm guessing that's the most immediate way for somebody to. That's the easiest. Support your way. Wait. Well, Charlie, that's it. All right, I'm gonna stick around. I'm gonna throw this on, and then we'll chat for a second here. Tonight's episode: the endangered species. Thank you for supporting our projects. If you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee, check out our Patreon channel. The guys and gals at GunWebsites.com encourage you to take a CCW class every year, practice at least once a month, and carry every day. Thank you for watching. GunWebsites.com. Do, 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 do.